track My best friend's in a gun rack I'm a low life I owe everybody money I think racist jokes are funny I'm a low life I got a dirty mind A gutter mouth I'm making time I'm going out with your wife Cause I'm a low What's up, motherfuckers? Welcome to another episode of the Low Life Motherfucking Chopper Podcast. Welcome to your Friday Low Life. We are coming to you guys live and direct with Rick Pierce of Stitches Garage at Stitches Garage. Welcome to the show, my man. Thank you. Glad to be here. It is our pleasure. We got to take a little tour of this place, and uh, we'll have to we'll talk with you and see what what photos we could throw up. But uh, this is one. Fucking sweet setup you got here, man. Thank you. I dig it. So, we're about to dive into a whole bunch of good shit about Stitches Garage, and we're get, even going to do a little bit of live painting here in the studio. It's going to be rough, but before we get into that and a whole bunch of other funny shit, we are going to kick this off the way we always do with those motherfucking sponsors. First up, we got ChopCult.com. The motherfucking Chopper Hub. Go on over there, make yourself a build thread, scroll through the Brolydex to see who's riding around in your area, and take a look through the classifieds to scoop the parts that you need. Next up, we got ChopShit.com, the homie Chicken Rick holding it down over there. You know him as Chicken Fried Choppers from Instagram. He is the hookup for all of your stickers, pins, patches, hoodies, and chopper goodies, as well as all of the low-life merch. So swing on over to ChopShit.com and support the homie. Next up, we got Paco, 51 years strong. It's no accident. They got all the parts you need for your Harley. Hardtail frames, Springer front ends, exhausts, handlebars, transmission components, my favorite. Swing on over there, P-A-U-G-H-C-O dot com. Next up, we got Keebler Customs and Lucky Horseshoe Customs. These guys are out of Denver, Colorado, but they serve everyone across the United States. They do a little bit of everything. They've got commercial fabrication, automotive fabrication, 3D printing, as well as CNC plasma cutting. So, get on over to... Keebler Customs on Instagram and Horseshoe Customs LLC on Instagram. Next up, we got Lowbrow Customs. Everything you need for the road ahead since 2004. Tyler is a longtime friend of the show and supporter of all motorcycle events across the country. So, next time you need a park, order that shit from lowbrowcustoms.com and let them know that we sent you. Next up, we got Custom motherfucking destruction. The homie Wes making the dopest helmets in the game for the same price as your stock helmet. Get over to Custom Destruction on Instagram. Tell them your homies from the Low Life Chopper Podcast sent you. And get the only helmet that makes the ugliest motherfuckers look sexy. So Fish Tank hit me up and he was, did he text you already? <laughs> yeah. He, or, he just ordered himself a custom destruction helmet, and he said, I'm going to hit Loctite up and tell him if this thing doesn't make me look sexy, I'm sending it back. Uh, let's see. And then last but not least, we got this month's giveaway sponsor who's sitting right next to me. Uh, this month, it is myself, 
and Ron from Dirty Builds. Um, AKA Lone Murray AKA, on Instagram. I was going to get to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> you just drink your damn Cokes here and let me finish this one up. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, so. Tastes so good. <laughs> so, Ron got uh, into airbrushing. He's going to airbrush a few panels and I'll pinstripe all the top of them. We'll give three of them away to the winner of this month. And I'll also still be doing the $1 um, pinstripe giveaway. Per usual. So, make sure you find Lone Murray on Instagram and Unicorn Ranch on Instagram. Good. We made it. Crushed it. Love it. All right. So, let's get into some of those shout-outs, and then we will jump into the interview. Uh, so, I got one that's... This isn't my shout-out. This is a shout-out for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, this is for Dewey Things. Uh, one of his homies went down, uh, I think, yesterday or the day before. Got super fucked up. Uh, pretty much like broke his face um, he was getting in like going in for emergency surgery and all that shit um, so he is making uh, some custom stickers and gonna like sell those stickers and like pretty much like a benefit type thing mm-hmm. um, so every donation will get a sticker um, he hit me up actually this morning which would be Wednesday morning asked me if I knew anybody that could whip up a quick uh, illustration for him and we decided that had to be Ron from Dirty Builds, so we hit up Ron. Oh shit! And uh, well, I hit up Ron, told Ron to give Dewey Things a call, and I guess they figured it out. And Dewey Things says, "Massive fucking shout out to Ronnie for helping me out with this one. Support those who support the community. They're pre-ordering 200 stickers, and I already know they're gonna need more. So make sure you watch for uh, those stickers to drop from Dewey Things. And uh, huge shout out to Ron for stepping up in such short notice." That's awesome, man. Stoked to hear that. Uh, let's see. I got a shout-out for Justin Wixon, who came up with... I got to show you a picture of this thing. He came up with uh, a foot clutch setup for an iron head. Look how sweet this thing looks. Oh, it doesn't turn because it's Instagram. Goddamn so iPhones. Yeah. He's got like a little... Uh, a short little cable made it up to basically... A pivot that then pulls, or I guess it... it it's like a pivot it. that... Uh, actually, that's not for that. It pivots, so basically as you push the pedal, it pushes that and then pulls the cable. Um, so super cool setup, anyways, and you need to give this guy a follow. I think there. that's for the mid-control thing, isn't it? That's what it looks like, where the mid-control bolts up. Looks maybe. like he maybe put like a... Like a pivoting thing. No, it's a clutch. It's coming out here. No, I'm saying where it bolts to, though. Yeah, but it's pulling this cable. No, I know I know it's pulling the cable. I'm saying what he mounted it to looks like what would have been the mid-control setup. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, right, because now he's going to forwards mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, so he got this, this sweet little pivot thing. So, Justin Wixon is his name, and they... Actually... Let me see that for a sec. I want to make sure I give his Instagram name. The peg is TC Brothers, is that? Yeah, it looks like a TC Brothers XS peg, honestly. Um, JC Wixon. John Wick. John Wick. (laughs) John Wick, from now on. So give him a follow. (laughs) JC Wixon, doing some cool stuff. And, yeah, I can't wait to see what else you put together with it, man. Let's see. Other shout-outs. Uh, you got anybody you want to shout out this week? No, nobody. Perfect. I got a shout out to motherfucking Jerry from 812 Inc. Sent over three uh, kid-sized beanies for my kids. 
if you haven't caught that photo, go check it out. Locks at Shop Shop. Um, not the best parenting move, but it looks sick. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Shout out to Ryan from Stay Gold Leather Goods. Stay Gold, Pony Boy. He's whipping me up a set of bedroll straps for the bike for uh, to throw a blanket on that bitch. Who is this? Ryan from 815. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so if you need custom leather work, he is right here in the New Hampshire area, and he's making a lot of bags, making some wallets. He's kind of just getting his feet wet and all this stuff, but he's doing some really good work. So Stay Gold LG is the Instagram account. Give that man a follow. Um, shout out to everybody who was blowing my phone up Monday for my birthday. I super appreciate all you guys. Um, kind of a pain in the ass to reply back to everybody while I'm plowing, but I appreciate it. <laughs> good deal. I think that's all I got. You got any more? I'm good. Beautiful. All right. So then with no further ado, let's go ahead and get into this motherfucking interview. Rick, thank you again for having us here, man. Thanks for coming out. Of course. So, I think the the easiest place to start would be, how did you get into painting, pinstriping? Do you call it painting or pinstriping? Does it matter? Pinstriping. Oh, oh, it matters. Pinstriping and painting, because some people think it's stickers. They don't yeah. know that it's actually done with a brush. <laughs> so, can you tell that story? Because we, we before just before we turned the actual microphone on, we were talking about this Harley sticker that you did for a guy. Yeah, so years after I'd been doing it, he wanted a Harley logo on a tailgate, pickup tailgate bench to go on somebody's front porch. And he said it had to be the Harley logo bar and shields with the wings, the traditional sticker that everybody puts on their beat-up truck. <laughs> Gotta have it. And he came over and said, can you do it? Here's the sticker. I want you to replicate it. I said, yeah, I can do it. So with a few tricks of the trade that I can't talk about here, <laughs> I, I made a little cheat, did it painted it with a brush he came over to pick up the tailgate to go home and build the bench and he got mad and he said i told you i didn't want a sticker i wanted it hand painted and i said get up close and look at the brush strokes and you can see that i hand painted it and then he got all excited and now we've done six or seven of those now Dude, that's awesome we're gonna have to throw a photo up of that because you show you showed us and we could see it but uh we'll have to throw something up on the page so people can know yeah definitely what we're talking about with that so that's a, that's a good point, too, because that's one of the things you learn with various tricks of the trade, which we'll keep to ourselves. When you got started, before you knew any of this stuff, how difficult was that to break into pinstriping? Very, very difficult to do things like that and to uh, get up the balls to actually paint on somebody's sixty, eighty thousand $80,000 hot rod or $20,000 chopper. So can I start right at the beginning? I'll tell you how it yeah, all started. Absolutely. So my wife and I used to be into Barber's XS650s, and we built a couple of bikes, got them all done, and we hired a pinstriper from Athuan to come in and pinstripe our bikes. So he hung out with us in the garage for the day. My friends came over, and he drank beer. I drank mixed drinks, but he drank beer, mm -hmm. painted the bikes. He hung out. He had a good time. He didn't get dirty. He had a grand old time, and I handed him a lot of cash when he left, and I said, that's a pretty cool little gig. <laughs> It's a good job, yeah. And I always liked when I went to Laconia or car shows and somebody was pinstriping, I'd just sit there with my mouth open, just staring at them, watching them for hours, like amazed that somebody could do that with a brush. So then my wife talked to that guy. He was a customer of hers at the bank and told she she asked him where to buy a brush. 
So that Christmas, she gave me a brush to try out pinstriping. Then I went on YouTube, bought a couple of videos, started painting my trash cans and any other thing that wasn't bolted down. <laughs> and here we are seven or eight years later. And now people come here and pay me all their hard-earned money for me to paint on shit. And it's a blast. Oh, that's awesome, man. So when you got that first brush, was that something that was fairly easy to pick up? Or did it take a lot of research to understand how to use that properly? It was easy to pick up and make believe that I knew what I was doing. And a, <laughs> and a few weeks in, I painted a skull. And I thought, thought it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. And this is going to be amazing. I'm going to quit my day job and I'm all set. And then as I got better and better and better, and I looked back at that skull, it was complete shit. But the hardest part about it was just making symmetrical things. You can attest to that yeah. now that, you, now that you, yeah. you're also doing it. So after practicing, watching videos, I went to Ohio, took a three-day class, and then became friends with that guy, and on and on and on. And just more and more practice, it became easier faster, more amazing. And then it got to the point where I'd be at a show set up selling trinkets that I had painted and I'd be painting live and I'd look over and people were watching me with their mouth open like I used to do to other people. I'm like, That's oh, crazy. this is pretty friggin' cool now. Now I'm having fun. So basically just lots of practice over and over again. Yeah. Repetition. And it, and it got easier over the years. And then the first two years I just played around and painted random things in my garage and then I was selling a Coca-Cola chandelier on Craigslist. And I always do keywords, chopper, bobber, hardtail, yep. softtail, just to attract more and more weirdos because you guys are all weirdos That's that type it. in those things. Yeah. And then you might see my Coke ad. Well, this guy in Hooksit, New Hampshire, saw the ad, and he said, why did this guy put all these keywords in for a Coca-Cola light? And then he saw my <laughs> pinstripe stuff in the background, and he messaged me. He goes, I don't, I don't care about Coca-Cola. I don't want that light. But all that stuff in the background, I want to come buy it right now. I'm like, well, that's just shit that I've been pinstriping for practice. It's complete garbage. He goes, send me pictures and how much each piece is, and I'm coming over to buy it tomorrow. So the next, the next day he came over and he spent $200, bought all my pieces of shit, things that were horrible. Luckily, that was before I started signing my name. And <laughs> now, now years later, him and I are best friends. And I've been to his new home where he had all my stuff on display and I tried to steal it back to redo it and he won't let me. He says those are the collector's pieces. <laughs> That's right. But it just showed me like how bad I was back then <clears throat> and this guy paid. But once he paid and I'm like, I could actually make money at this and we started selling things on Facebook and going to car shows and putting things out and just getting my name out there and then it just progressed more and more and more and it became easier. You know, I'd paint something and it would sell. I'd paint something else it would sell. And I just kept raising my prices to the point where I'm making enough money to have fun but still sell it cheaper than my competitors Yeah, that, I'm, that I'm friends with. And everybody always says there's no pinstripers around here. But just in this little area of New England, I'm friends with probably 15 different painters, pinstripers. Oh, wow. And we're all good friends. We all get together and have little paint parties and take notes and show different tricks to each other. Yeah. You mentioned well, that you took that, uh, that class out in uh, Ohio, did you say it was? Yep. So when you go out to a class like that, is there a ton of stuff that you learn there in those three days that you couldn't in weeks of practicing? There was stuff that I learned there in a half an hour that I couldn't learn in the five years prior. Just, so what was it, just from having prior. somebody there physically to show you with 
their I, I had had friends show me, and I've I've watched pages, but not everybody wants to share. Some of the old timers don't like to tell you things. Sometimes they'll drop you a hint, but they're not going to dump all their knowledge that they spent years to make money with. They don't they don't want to do that. Sure. So there was a guy named the Wizard Steve Chazeska in Ohio, and you'd pay six hundred bucks and spend three days with him. There was only mm-hmm. six guys in the class, and he still gives you a lot of one on one, and he just shows you. All the steps, how to prepare, how to do it, how to get ready, how to market yourself. Yeah. Oh, wow. He even gets into the How to be ready for all the different things. So I could always dagger paint. I could do dagger or old school pinstriping like you guys all have on your bikes. Yeah. But I couldn't do the squirrely, curly cue stuff that housewives and truckers like on their things. (laughs) So day one was dagger painting. And he said, why are you here? You can do this. And I said, well, wait till tomorrow. You'll see why I'm here. And the second day, he saw that I couldn't do scroll-style painting, and he th- he showed me that. About a half an hour, he had me doing it, and then when I came home from the class, my friends were like, what happened? You actually learned how to do that. <laughs> That's, like, magical. And I went there with a friend of mine. He was also learning how to pinstripe. But since we came home, I've painted almost every day since that class when my other friend hasn't. Right. And you can tell that just he didn't put the time in, so right. he didn't, he didn't sure. get he didn't get much better. So just the class and then becoming friends with the teacher. And it was another little quick story. Yeah. Like 10 years before that, we had had one of my wife's bikes at Americade, which is the old man geezer, you know, <laughs> Honda Goldwing bike week in New York. Yeah. And he had done flames on my wife's bike and he had bought a T-shirt from him that had an eight ball and pin striping because I was a big pool player. Mm-hmm. So when I went to take his class, I brought that T-shirt with me, and I said, hey, can you sign this shirt? I bought this tent from you 10 years ago. So he thought that was funny that, oh, wow. that I'd had that shirt from years before, one of his first designs. That's but, super cool. But that guy's been striping and touring for like 40 years. He just retired like two months ago because of COVID. He decided to hang it up. Yeah. So now he just does freelance and teaching and little side jobs, but... He's pretty much done with the uh, the on-tour thing, going to all the big bike events. Well, speaking of the touring, and I know you mentioned you set up booths at a couple of these places. I see in here you got a cart. It's got quite a lot of stuff on it. When you go someplace to paint, how much gear do you have to bring to effectively do like whatever you someone's going to throw at you at a swap meet or something? So I've got all my paint and brushes and everything right in this little cart. Yep. And then I've got a little this little thing with my solvents and whatnot. Gotcha. So that right there. That's everything. And a little table and a stool and some roll-around stools in my van. So that's not bad at all. One 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 large crate yeah. could fit everything. Yeah. So that little thing right there, I can take anywhere and, and make money and have fun. That's super cool. You don't, you don't have to lug tons and tons of equipment. And you won't see this in TV land, but I'll show you guys. Watch this. Oh, dang. So basically what we just watched is a rack go from being a rack down into like one solid block that all folds down and the handles fold down over it. Yeah. So you throw, throw that right in the back of the car or the truck and yep. you're just, you're ready to go make money. Yep. So this is a company called Beta and they're like the Swiss version of Snap-on. That's it. Everybody's got to have their Snap-on, you know, <laughs> every yeah. industry. Super cool, man. So how did it... Uh, get from basically i know you said in the beginning you were nervous to be painting on people's things and then eventually you you jump all the way to when you're doing these high dollar projects but how did you kind of get your feet wet painting for other people 
I just started out small, first selling things at shows at the dragway. We'd be going there anyways to sell things at a swap meet, and we'd mix in a couple of pinstripe pieces into our table. Yep. And then people kept coming back more and more, buying more pieces, and they said, hey, i got a motorcycle I want you to do. I have a car. And then that just progressed to, like, from shitty bikes to better bikes to bikes that I would never think that I'd even be working on. <laughs> people are dropping them off. And sometimes you get the pain in the ass people that will come in and say, I want pink and yellow and green and orange, and I want them all swirly, and I want it everywhere on the bike. And you have to try to, in a nice way, tell them, don't be an idiot. You can't do that. That's too much shit. Yeah. Yeah. Try this. So you got to try to tone it down. You're like being a tattoo artist. And yeah, people come exactly. With awful ideas. And, you're yeah. like, and, and, and I'm a tattooed freak. And I used to always wonder why my tattoo artist would always turn people away. People would come in and give him an idea while he was tattooing me. And he'd be like, no, go talk to one of the other guys. I don't want to do it. I'm like, why would you turn down money? And he's like, no, don't want to be involved. That's a bad idea. So now I, I'm honored that I've said that to people like people with nice cars and I have a friend that's in a car club and he's got a really nice Camaro white with a orange stripe up and over traditional yep. muscle car. And he wants a piece on the stripe, like striping on the stripe. And I say, no, I can't do that. It doesn't make sense. He's yeah. like, come on, I want to pay you. I'm like, that's cool. But I don't even want the money because I don't want someone to say that's not right. Right. That it doesn't, I, I don't doesn't want someone right to say, oh, right. look, look what Rick did, you know, stitch mess that thing up. No, I'm out. I don't want to be involved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I think we've talked about that on some of the like the small business episodes that we've done about learning to say no yeah. to projects that just are not. And I've had to do that with the welding business on the side. Just stop taking car work altogether. Yeah, because it was always somebody wanting to patch a frame on a car that's falling apart, and it's right. like, no, nope, just just don't want to really have anything to do with that project, and yeah. it's only going to go poorly. And then on the other side of that is the fun projects when somebody, like I had an old timer come in, a friend of a friend, it was an $80,000, 32 coupe. And we talked about colors. He goes, what would you do? I said, I would do red and, and ivory, traditional. And he goes, okay, where would you do it? And I showed him where I would do it, what parts. He goes, okay, I'm going to go get lunch, do your thing. And he just leaves. That's the best kind of costume. And I'm like, wow, I can do whatever <laughs> I want. He goes, yeah, just do whatever you want. And then other people come in with trucks or motorcycles. A guy brought in an Indian motorcycle and said, just do whatever you want. Wow. Super cool. You pick the colors, do it where you want. Just let me know how much. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Wow. So how do you feel about if you have a customer, them standing there and watching you compared to like when you're at the shows and you're just pinstriping with people watching you? At, at first it was weird because I would want them to leave just so I could do it. So they wouldn't know how long it would take. Because sometimes I can do it really fast. Right. But then it, it became more exciting when they were watching. Because then, like I said, they're there with their mouth open. Oh, my God, look what you're doing. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty fucking crazy, isn't it? I can't believe it either. <laughs> I just started doing this. This is pretty wild. So in the beginning, it was hard. But then more and more practice, more exposure, you know, it became easier, more fun, more challenging, more exciting. Like, the money was cool, but it, I, w I would get off on just them being excited. Yeah. See, I can't... I've tried. The only people I could pinch right in front of was my kids and my wife. Like, I noticed even when I pinch right with you last weekend, yeah. my design was terrible. I could not pull a line to save my life. <laughs> but then I go home and do the same exact thing, and it looks a lot better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it gets easier and easier, and then eventually you'll you'll just enjoy it more doing it in front of people. I feel like the the confidence aspect in it would probably be 
big. Once you feel like, once you have that mental transition from they're going to love this to like, I hope that they love this, that's probably when it gets more fun to pinstripe in front of people. Yeah. <laughs> Can't imagine that. Uh, I feel like as you're learning, it's just anything, really. Right. I remember being in welding class and the teacher coming over and I'm like, oh, fuck. Please don't look at this. Even if even if you were doing great before then, you just because just mentally you you don't feel like you're there yet, right. so it makes you nervous when people watch. So how do you how did you decide when it was time to start making money from doing it? Because I know this is like a big thing. People that don't pinstripe probably don't know, but like on like the pinstriping pages, that's one thing that they like stress is like don't make it about money. Yeah. So it's like how do you know when you're at that? Was it just when somebody offers to pay for some shit, or is it like when you know you're putting in a lot of time and you're much better? Uh, mostly time and you, and you know you're better you know you've improved it's hard with the money because in the beginning you don't want to charge a lot sometimes it's even free mm -hmm. you tell people you know bring me a bottle of Jack and some paint and we'll go at it you know we'll have yep. fun so that's what I've been doing I'm like listen whatever colors you want order that from one shot and then let I'll keep the paint when I'm done yeah so I'm like doing it for supplies yeah so in the beginning it was that we did it for we'll supplies paint for paint. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in, in the beginning i'd always give somebody a really really cheap price way cheaper than it should have been but i wasn't confident i didn't think it was good enough so then my friends knew that i drank jack so people would always show up with the money to pay me and they'd give me a bottle of jack and then sue my wife she doesn't appreciate my drinking <laughs> at all so she would always get upset. She's like, can't they just give you a regular tip? I'm like, well, this is exciting. I can drink my tip, and I don't have to go to the liquor store. It's been like a year since I've been to the liquor store. Isn't that good? Perfect, yeah. Isn't that good, honey? <laughs> so then I had this one guy. I've done probably 20 helmets and three motorcycles for him. He was a local guy that was a bike builder. And he, she said, do me a favor. Tell Chris, don't bring any Jack. Bring a, bring a can of mineral spirits. I'm like, all right, I'll tell him. So I tell him, I said, Sue, so when you come, you got to bring a thing of mineral spirits and not Jack. She prefers mineral spirits. Not that it's good to drink, but I can use it to clean up. So I did another bike for him. He comes in, gives me the money, gives me a tip, more than I wanted. He goes to his truck, brings me over two cans of mineral spirits. Then he goes back to his truck, brought me a bottle of Jack. Hey, there you go. I was going to say, there's got to be Jack making its way yeah. in. And it was the big bottle, too. Tips with their big bottles are always better. <laughs> <laughs> so that that is hard and a lot of people even the, the in the beginning you don't want to do crappy work and charge for it and have people say look what that guy did for me i would never go him then you don't want a bad rep but at the same time you don't want to do really good work and give it away then other stripers will get mad because you're gouging cutting their throat you're cutting their throat yeah. and and then luckily i've I've been to a lot of charity events over the years and became friends with real stripers and, you know, professionals that have been doing it for years and I could bounce things off of them. Hey, look at this job I just did. What would you charge? You know, what, what do you think I should get for this? And a lot of them have told me just to try to get a, what do you think you're worth for an hourly rate? And then when you do the job, then add up how many hours you did and what you think you should get, you know, and then go from there up or down, but have your baseline. That way you've got a, an idea of where to start, where to go. And then it, make, it then after that it makes all the pricing easier. You can look at something real quick and be like, I can do that for four hundred. I can do that for five hundred. I can do that for two hundred. So you just know where to, where it's going to be, where it's going to lie, or you can give somebody a a high and a low estimate, and know from there you'll you'll be safe. Right. So to answer your question, how do you get to that level? I don't know how I got there. I just eventually experience and more time invested 
became more comfortable. I think once you're more comfortable, then it's easier to price and know that you're not going to give your shit away anymore. Right. And then, you know, a lot of people will, the teacher, he told me, you know, you're not, the, they're not paying for the three hours you just spent. They're, you're, they're paying for the years that it took you to get to that point. So the, that's true I, in any business. So I just like, like you're welding, the, remember. the 10 yeah. years that you learned how to do, you know, TIG welding, you just TIG welded a frame, you know, right. it's not that it took you an hour. It took you, you know, 10, yeah, 10 years and that, an hour. That same thing. If like wanting to just breaking into it, just got the frame jig. I didn't want to charge crazy amounts because I wanted the business. But then at the same time, it was like, well, there's so much liability in what I'm doing here. And it takes me forever as a result of it. And that's actually something I was curious about because I run into that a lot with the welding side of things, taking at times a lot longer than I expected. Is that, does that ever happen with painting or is it kind of, you have a pretty good sense and there's not that much that can go wrong. Once in a while, things can go wrong. You can have a bad reaction with the paint that's on the vehicle or some vehicles that have a really good clear coat. You can make a mistake and it's easy to erase. Yep. There's, there's other vehicles that have just a, like a single stage paint without clear or some of the new rat rods that have flat paint. If you make a mistake or a bad line, you can't erase it. You can't fix it because it'll be a haze. It'll be a ghost line. So then you've got to recreate your design in, in your head and make a mistake on the other side to make it match. And in the end, hope that it looks good enough that they're going to be happy. Wow. So, yeah, it's so final with this stuff. Yeah. It, yeah, that's, so that's like, tricky. It, if somebody comes in with a gloss bike, I'm usually happy because I know I can make a total spaghetti just mess and, and then take my rag and some alcohol and just wipe it off and I can yeah. start over. Whereas if it's a, I just did an Indian that, 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 had, cool. that had matte paint, yep. you know, once you do it, you're done. So then you got to focus, you got to. You know, nobody can be in the garage with you on those ones. You just got to go easy and slow and take your time and kind of, it's not as wild as it is on a gloss paint job. So how does it, how does it work with like, uh, you ever worked on anything that had that 2K clear on it? Not that I know of. Gotcha. Well, Loctite's going to find out. Good, that's a pretty good clear change. though. <laughs> we'll is see. That, we'll is see that like the can is. with the thing that you put in the box? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So that's what I have on my tank and I was going to have Loctite, uh, do his, his magic on there. So I was hoping that, uh. Hopefully it'll be no pressure because that one has clear coat. Yeah, that'll be fine. Yeah, you can wipe that thing right away. I've dumped gas all over that thing; should yeah. be no problem. Is that the Spray Max? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was at that class in Ohio, Spray Max came in, the owner of that company, and, oh, wow. and did a little demonstration and showed us all the products and yeah. gave us free samples. Everybody got to bring home that were that drove there, but I flew there, so I couldn't bring mine home. Oh, that oh, sucks. So that that was a, sucks. That was a bummer because he was just throwing cans at us. Yeah, and that stuff's not cheap. That's like thirty bucks a can. Yeah, and you yeah. can refrigerate it too. I don't know if you know that. I did not know that. Yeah. After you use it once, when you put the activator in, you can use it once, put it in your fridge, and it'll last like three or four weeks and still be. Yeah, really I actually read it on the can. Ah. It says it'll last three weeks. Yeah. I should read the cans. That's right. <laughs> actually, come to think of it, I'm not sure I've ever not used the whole can in one sitting, but. Yeah. <laughs> But that is good to know because I didn't realize you could do that. Yeah, because the 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 um, the teacher that I went to see and they did the demonstration, he would take three or four art panels, get them all ready, scuff them, and then clear them all at once and use a whole can. Yeah, that was the benefit rather than having a pinstriper take your art, bring it to a body shop, have them clear it. You know, oh god! Gotcha. You know that way you could do it yourself at your home and not have to pay the money. Yeah. You know, for small art projects, yeah, for a bike, you'd still perfect. have somebody you know do a real clear. You know, if it was a big money build. Yeah, absolutely. That is super cool, though. So when it comes to mixing 
the paint up, or actually even before that, how much of it, because this is pretty much every industry, there's the equipment side and then there's the person using the equipment side. How important is it to have the right equipment? Like, could you use shitty equipment, but you're really good at painting and that kind of overcomes it? Or is it really important to get everything right on the, the mixing side? Very important on the equipment. The equipment, you mean the paint or the brushes? Or, uh, both, actually. Or both. Kind of the whole the whole setup. Because I know Lakta has talked on a couple episodes about you have to thin the paint to the right amount. And it, it, se- it seems very technical on that side. So I'm just wondering how forgiving yeah, it is. Yeah, it is technical. It's hard to get. That's the hardest part for a lot of people that are learning how to palette the brush, how to get the right... When I was showing Loctite how to palette and get the right pulse, you know, how thick or thin you want your paint to be and how it's going to flow. That's a whole thing that's a technique that has to be learned. That and in mixing your paints and then like you get your paint that's made by a company called One Shot. Mm-hmm. And then you have reducer that's made to reduce the paint. So if you use these two things together, you'll get a better flow, you'll get a better thing. There's a cheat and old timers, they'll just use mineral spirits or gasoline or turpentine. To, okay. to thin the paint, which works, but it's not chemically engineered to work together. Right. So with these two things together and the right brushes and all that stuff all added together makes it a lot easier and will last longer. And then since then, not everybody uses one shot. A lot of people use this new stuff called Alpha Enamel. I actually had a couple people hit me up and say I should try that stuff. Yeah, so I'm still torn. I go back and forth. I use both products. The good thing about this company is it comes in a bottle already ready to go where one shot comes in a can you gotta open the can take the lid off you know yep. stir it up and then you gotta put it then you gotta put it into your own bottles and you put a marble in this and when you shake it it's like a like a spray paint so it'll get the okay. paint mixed up so the other one you don't need the the alpha enamel you don't need to mix with the reducer you still need to reduce it a little bit oh okay. and it's not a lot you just you just put some reducer in a little dish and you just drop your brush into the reducer and then You'll see later when we have you painting. Like the smallest yeah. amount, too. It's the smallest <laughs> like the amount. Of that and then you run that brush through the paint with the reducer and the brush, and that reduces the paint. You don't want to go too crazy because every color reduces different, and then if it's hot out, cold out, where you're working, it all affects how the paint's going to flow. I actually learned that the hard way with white, cause I, so I didn't know that white was like just naturally thin, I guess. Yep. And so I just like mix it the same way I mix all my paint. Went to do a line and it just literally started running like I threw a water balloon at it. Yeah, I was like sick. Now I can start I'm doing over. <laughs> and turkey. <laughs> I can also touch on the equipment part of it. So when I first started, I got um, what the hell was that brand called? Mac. No, something garage or some shit like that. I don't know. Custom shop. Yeah, custom shop. Because that came like a kit. You get the 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 beginning combo platter. Yeah. So I mainly got it because it came with a bunch of fucking paint. Yeah. So I was like, this is perfect. And using those brushes, I was like, I will never be a pinstriper at this rate. There is no fucking way. And then somebody on one of like the group things was like, you need better brushes. So I ordered just one of, um, actually, no, it wasn't on the group. It was uh, Fosmobile who painted the sept- I mean, uh, yeah. white trash. He was like, you need to get a Mac brush, get double zero and triple zero. So I got those, and just by switching my brush, my paint was twice twice as good, right? That's how you say yeah. it? Yeah, it was better. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. yeah. So there really is a huge difference just out of the, the equipment and the brush that you're working with. Yeah, so here's a Mac 
double zero oh oh you can see how big it is yeah and how oversized so a lot of guys that have been painting for years they'll take one of these brushes and they'll take a razor blade and they'll cut off a big big section of the belly they'll like eliminate this much of the brush yep. cut it cut it away after they just bought the brush and then they'll take some of this away and they'll trim the tip a little different and they'll shave their handles and they'll do all this stuff to modify it and they'll swear you got to get a mac brush and then I'll say, I'm friends with some of these old timers, and I'll say, why don't you order one of these King, King 13 brushes? And they go, we only use Mac. I can only use Mac. I'm like, this is made by Mac. Huh. So, so that's this, just a slimmed down version. Yeah. Is so it this, still a double zero? This one's a three zero. So this now, what one, do the numbers mean? They're like size, so like a big one would be a one. A one. And then a zero would be a little smaller. Two zeros a little smaller. Three zeros, even smaller. Okay, you think they'd have started higher if they were going to go down right. <laughs> with the sizes? So like, so let's start at one. So there's a five zero, and it's even less here. That one's not white yet, so you can't really. Oh, get okay, the, I see what you say. Yeah, so this company goes really... all the way to seven zero. So I try to tell the the old timers use one of these. It's the same as this, and you don't have to cut it down. It's all pre-cut. Yeah. And they still won't do it because they're be just old yeah. and stubborn. <laughs> That's it. Old, Some people old they... and stubborn. They've just been doing it that way so, so long. So I actually took those uh, shitty brushes I got and cut a bunch of those off. Like, same thing. Pretty much cut half the belly off yeah. and made it so it's like a halfway decent scroll brush. So that's the other thing, too. Then you you, you guys are using all these different names like scroll brush, sword brush. Then, so so that, what is that? Different cut on Yeah, so the these, are, these are swords. They look like a knife. Yeah. That's why it's called a sword. And you, you can do straight lines and little curves. Yeah. Is that your heater, Revenant's engine? No, my brother's my <laughs> brother's excess. here warming his barber up. Oh, there you He's go. He's got an excess 650 for sale. Someone's coming to look at it from Haverhill. Nice. So that was getting ready to go for a ride in the fucking 28-degree weather. <laughs> Seriously. I rode yesterday. <laughs> so those are for doing dagger-style, old-school pinstriping. And then this is a scroll brush. And a scroll brush, when you're scrolling, you stay up straight. And you scroll like this. And gotcha. then, see how the tip, see how like you don't have to like, well, you'll see when you use it, but yeah, these like you have to like pressure. roll your fingers to yeah, go around. These ones you don't roll, they just stay like that. And then when you flare down, like on this guitar over here, you do these kind of little, these kind of things, the little. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Making the little like, uh, almost looks like leaves or branches in a way. Yeah. I don't have any of that style up here because I don't really care for it, but out in the garage, I have a lot of that stuff hanging up that I can show you later. Is is that Where what the uh, is that what the housewives like? Yeah, that's the one with the. I know yeah. you're saying that. Yeah, housewives and old school and the truckers. truckers. Yeah. yeah, if you yeah. see old school, and you always see like on the door jams and shit, yeah. and, like under yeah. the door yeah. handles, all over the truck. They like the spaghetti stuff. Huh. So that's called spaghetti or scroll. Yep. And, that's um, their jam. It's just not my scene. Yeah. Like you wouldn't see it on any. You know, I don't think I've ever seen a traditional chopper or a bobber. Or... So I've heard of guys using a scroll brush to pinstripe. Do you think that's cheating? I, in my mind, I kind of feel like it is a little bit. It's not cheating because they can't do the things that we can do with this brush. So anybody that's really, anybody that really knows their what they're doing, they wouldn't use one of these to do, to do dagger style, right. or traditional style. They're just doing it because they don't know. Not to bash people that are using those, but anybody that's really really good and and wants to do the right thing, they're not going to do that. A lot of people that don't have a lot of time striping or people that are just doing art projects or different things, they'll do it with this and they're like, oh, just use that. It's so much easier. But it's not. 
they can't get a, as straight a line as you. When you're doing this, you can't get a, as a straight a line as you can when you're cutting with the dagger style right. as the, the blade because you just you can get a straighter line. So I don't know. They can they can do it. Rough. I know people that will whip out a dagger a dagger design with a scroll brush. I don't know how they do it. I don't think it looks as good. You know, it's kind of wild. The brushes are miniature. <laughs> no, I knew they'd be small, right? But you look at oh, that's fucking cool. Is like it, it almost like the bristles kind of look like they were like an afterthought. Like somebody had like a little it's piece of squirrel. wood, and then they yeah. So this is squirrel hair. And this is um, no, I mean the way that they're attached. Yeah, you know it's I mean? just it's, it's just hand, like... hand tied on, kind of like an old fly, like the pe- people that tie right. fish fly and for fi- fly fishing. Is this scrimshaw? No, it's just carved out of plastic. I think they might have carved one and then mass produced them in a plastic mold for gotcha. that one. That's neat, though. So these are made with squirrel hair from China and Russia, because USA squirrels they suck. It doesn't work as well. Amy, don't even bother, okay? (laughs) If you're listening. And I know this because my friend in Maine, Fast Freddy Moulton, he went and picked up a roadkill squirrel, and he made a brush. He tied it, made a handle, carved a little tiki. Yeah, you can tell tell us one from here, too, because it has the white tips. Yeah, (laughs) so that's a Maine roadkill brush, and it looks cool, and it's a cool story that he made it and gave it to me, but... We've had a few paint parties where we've all been drinking and we busted that out and we tried striking with it and it really doesn't work. Now, what about it, for people that have never used all, all the different types of brushes, like what about this one doesn't work? It, it just, it's like it, just something about the hair. It doesn't hold the paint. It doesn't flow out of that hair as well. Gotcha. And that's another thing. A lot of these like are, are real squirrel hair, real natural brushes. Yep. Some brushes are synthetic and you can feel the difference, the way they react. So that's a synthetic brush. That's like an art store craft brush, even though that's oh, a yeah. real it's a real Mac brush. Yeah, you can tell the the other ones are like coarse hair. So this is the, uh, like here's one with natural hair, so you can tell the difference. That's an, also a Mac brush. These are the ones that guy was telling you today, the lightsaber. Fondego. Yeah, this one feels really fine. Like it, uh, like you said, it doesn't have the coarse feeling of actual hair. And that's the same with lettering brushes. <clears throat> like here's a lettering brush that's synthetic. Is Blick, is that synthetic or is that... Most of theirs are going to be synthetic. Like you can just tell like the way this snaps. Oh yeah. And some people like like the snap of the synthetic. And then if you get a like a real brush... Here's a real lettering brush with real, you know, real hair. It doesn't have the same snap, but you can do different things. So you feel that one. You can feel it's almost like cheap and plasticky. Yeah, it all kind of moves us. And then now that, you, now that your hand's getting all dirty, that's, that brings us to the next subject. After you clean your brush out, yeah, you have to <clears throat> coat your brush with very expensive, very hard to find brush oil. If you listen to all the pros and all the people that sell stuff, <laughs> they want you to buy a little $30 can of brush preservative. It's, it really is small, too. Like It's small. It's, I don't even know what to compare it to. So you can do that, and you can waste a lot of money. Or you can just go grab some motor oil out of your garage. 1030, 1040, 2050 if you want to race. <laughs> and you put it in a little bottle, and that's what it is, just straight-up motor oil. Gotcha. And so that, that keeps that, them from drying out? Yep, keeps them soft and supple. 
It keeps their shape. And then just clean them up, oil them, lay them flat, or put them in a brush box like Loctite has if you want to be really fancy. I hate that brush box that I got to. I don't have one of those fancy brush boxes I used to, but I didn't like the way the springs... But you got the beta cart though. So yeah, that's, that's now. the. <laughs> now I just I have so many brushes now, I just lay them in these little silverware trays. Oh, yeah, there you go. That's all it is. Just keep them all together. Yeah. They're all taking the same oil anyway. Hey, listen, I don't have that many brushes or that much equipment, so I need one fancy thing to make it look like I know what I'm doing. You know that's what the, that's the tackle, <laughs> tackle box is the. Yeah, and, and that happens. You start out with a small box and get bigger and bigger and bigger. For a while, I had a brush box that looked like an amplifier. It was like a machinist box. The front flipped down, and I had all my drawers, and then I kept all my paint in a guitar case. So nice. I'd go, I went to a car show in Rhode Island, and I'd taken my stuff out of the Jeep, and the guy goes, oh, the band can pull right up to the stage. I'm like, I'm not the band. I'm the pinstriper. And he was just, like, mind-blown. Like, what are you talking about? Because <laughs> my, my easel is an actual music stand that you would use to read no, you know, oh, sheet gotcha. music. Oh, gotcha. So, so you, you were looking a lot like the band, yeah. Then, to be so fair, he was completely confused, yeah. <laughs> and I had long hair, fat, long hair, tattooed, carrying a guitar case. The, the, yeah. the, the band's here. Nope, I'm here Is to it? paint shit. So that was fun. I had a lot of fun with that. But it seems like what you're working with now is a lot simpler to pack around. Yeah, it's easier. It's quicker. And um, you know, we were at a show in New York at the Syracuse Nationals, and this tool company was here selling the tools, and I'm looking at them like, wow, that'd be really handy for my pinstriping stuff. Yeah. And at that show, they have a giant pinstriping charity auction, and the guy goes, go over there and talk to them. There's already a few of them that have this box, so go see what they say about it. So we went and walked through the artist corral, and I see people with them, and I ask them, they're like, yep, go get it right now. It's it's on sale. you got to do it. It's the best thing you've ever done. I didn't want to spend the money on it, and then yeah. luckily my wife is like, just get it. You're going to use it. It's going to be worth it. And it was. So I'm so glad that she told me to, to do it. Because sometimes I'm, I'm like a little bitch. I don't want to spend money. We all get that way yeah. about things. On stuff like, like that. I don't want to spend money on a toolbox, but I'll spend thousands of dollars on a bicycle and then go ride wheelies. So you got to have your priorities. <laughs> I do the same shit. We all do. There's like things that you will spend insane amounts of money on that you definitely don't need. Yeah. And then other I'm things. like, oh, I'll pull five grand out of my ass to build a chopper. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to buy another pair of boots. This is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> crazy. Not doing that. <laughs> Yeah, so I think that's where I first met, well, not at that show, but at a show, um, was Deadbeat three years ago. And that's the first time I actually met you. That was at the one with the wedding venue? At the, um, no, the one at... at the, um, Iron Tails? Yeah, across yep. from Iron Tails. Yep, that was and I remember asking Bob, I'm like, who's that guy in the fucking top hat? Yeah. And he's like, oh, that's Stace, come on, I'll, I'll introduce you. I remember I just walked over your booth and you had fucking everything. Yeah. Mirrors, purses, Converse, everything was pinstriped. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, toasters, can openers. <laughs> Literally everything. Every weird thing that we can find or buy cheap that I can add and put pinstriping on and bring it to a show and sell it as a hot rod item. And do you do a lot of like grill shit in the summer, like cooking utensils for grills? Nope, never done that stuff. I think that would be a great... So I, did, I yeah. was thinking about this when I was at the dollar store the other day. I'm like, I could buy these for a dollar. Pinstriping probably sound for listen. I suck, so probably ten bucks. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, fun. Like you can look over there and you can see all these soap dispensers. These are all from the dollar store. The dollar store is one of my biggest suppliers. So we'll buy these for a dollar. I'll stripe it up in a few minutes and I'll sell it for fifteen. Right. So yeah. I'll, I'll whip out four or five of those in an hour, and there you go. Boom. And yeah, and if you like remotely yeah. into cars, you can't say no to fifteen bucks for it. Right. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, it's quick. It's same, easy. Same thing. The dollar store. 
I go there and buy sunglasses. The, the bigger, most ugliest, girly sunglasses. Buy them for a dollar. Give them a few minutes worth of paint. Yeah. And then you bring it to a car show. Now, who's at a car show? Guys that want to go there to see cars. And, and they girl, buy something for that chick to make them happy. <laughs> or girls are dragged along. And, yeah. the, and the girls come up to our booth and they're like, oh, look, this guy's selling sunglasses and purses and... And Perfect. stuff for the kitchen. That's not an accident. It's marketing because we know the girls are going to be dragged along and they're yeah. going to make their guys buy them something because they're <laughs> stuck being there. I learned that at a very uh, early age that you want to always produce for the women because they're the ones who's going to buy shit. Right. <laughs> and then more and more, then you become more and more popular and they know you're there. And then the next year they come back to the same show. They want to come buy more sunglasses and they're still wearing the sunglasses from the year before. That's cool. And they're like, Oh, these sunglasses are so well made. And I'm not telling them that I'm buying them at this, at the dollar store. Right. But luckily it's working out. <laughs> yeah. It's still going. They're still selling. And then that got us into doing the, the rubber nose Chuck Taylor Converse shoes. My wife would buy those on sale. Oh, yeah. I pinstripe the toes. And then bring it to a show, and we'd get them cheap enough, and I'd pinstripe them and sell them for twenty-five dollars. So if someone would come to the show, fuck, I pay more than that for just a razor. I was gonna there. say, yeah. how the fuck do you get so, Chuck Taylors for that yeah, price? Yeah, Chuck what? Taylors and uh, Airwalks. We would do the Airwalks too, and people would get all excited. And then I was at a show in Sturbridge, Mass. What's the name of that show? Uh, I can't think of the name of the show right now, but a friend of a friend is walking up, and he's looking at my shoes, and he goes, "Oh, you don't know my size." And I'm like, "Well, you got a pair on right now." Just pull them off, and I'll do them right now live. He's like, really? You can do that? I'm like, yeah. And it was getting late, and this is an overnight show where you camp, kind of like deadbeat. Yep. And I, he goes, how much are you going to do it for? I said, 10 bucks. You're, you're friends, and it's going to be fun. Let's do it. I go, actually, I was just about to make a Jack and Coke. You want one? He goes, yeah, I'll have one. I'm not driving. I said, either am I. I'm camping here for the night. So I make him a Jack and Coke. I throw one color down on his shoes. We're having fun. We're talking. People are walking up, watching us. It's getting more and more exciting for me. I'm getting kind of getting off on it. And then I said, well, i got to wait a minute before I make the second color. I'm going to make another drink. You want another drink? He's like, yeah, that'd be great. Make him another Jack and Coke. And these were yeah. tall. These weren't little pansy ones. Yeah. Give him the Jack and Coke. I paint the second color. We hang around, drink, tell some more stories. He hands me $10. He's like, this is great. I just got two big Jack and Cokes and my shoes painted for $10. Where can you get that? I said, nowhere. <laughs> Come back here and see me every time I'm at a show. Come yeah. visit me. Yeah, and now whenever I'm at a show and that guy's there, he comes right over and buys stuff and hangs out. And oh, that's awesome! L years later, I found out that he had been like sober for like 25 years, and I broke his sobriety. So that's a little sad. Oh yeah, that's no good. But <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> but I didn't know. So now I ask people ahead of time: Are you a drinker or a non-drinker? So I won't even offer it if I if they know that they're yeah you know drinkers. It's hard, not, to, not hard to be watching out for yeah for everybody else's life choices at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was kind of just here to paint, but... Yeah. <laughs> and then we were at another show where this, um, like, car club, there's regular, like, friendly car clubs, and there's, like, hardcore car clubs, just, like, bike clubs. Yeah. And they come in, and they have chapters from all over the world, and they've got a bunch of people that flew in from different chapters all over the country. There's, like, ten of them. And they come into my booth, and I said, hey, do you guys drink? And they're like, it's a requirement. You have to drink to be a member. Like, all right, wow. let's, let's do some shots. <laughs> so I roll out the shot glasses, and we're doing shots. And it was another one that we were staying over at, so we didn't have to drive. Yeah. They might have had to drive it. So we do a few <laughs> shots, and then the people that were that were flown in for the show, they're like, oh, you sell purses? I'm going to buy my wife a purse for when I get home, so I won't get in trouble. I'm going to buy her some sunglasses. My wife had jewelry that she was selling, and they spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars in our booth, and they drank with us, and they had the best time. And now whenever we see those guys, it all progressed.
Yeah. And, now, and then one of those guys was from Ireland. Now I have a friend in Ireland that, that wants stickers and shirts sent out to Ireland. So more of the stories, always have alcohol at your booth. <laughs> yes, it does help out. Alcohol and paint. Yeah, we, we were at another show in Connecticut where we were at the pre-party. The vendors set up the day before, and we brought Bud Lights. And we we weren't selling beer, but we were selling nuts and bolts, and you get a free beer. I don't know if you guys have seen that trick. <laughs> I have not, yeah. Yeah, you sell a nut and bolt for a dollar or two dollars, and it comes with a free beer. Or another guy has uh, a sign, there you go. come sit down, and I'll give you free advice. You know, advice is a dollar, and we can drink a beer while I give you the advice. <laughs> <laughs> kind of gets around the rules about selling alcohol. Yeah. So we were doing that one night on Friday night, selling all the beer and drinks, and we had we had uh, flasks that were pinstriped that were full of Jack Daniels. So we were selling flasks that were full. And then later in the night, it was like 2 in the morning, and this, this guy comes up and he goes, I want to buy one of those flasks. And I said, we're all out, but we got soap dispensers. So we filled the soap dispenser that was pinstriped and gave it to him and he went around the party pumping soap which was actually Jack into his mouth and then a year later I see him in another show and he goes hey I just want you to know that I gave that soap dispenser to my mother it's in our kitchen every day when she's using it I laugh because she doesn't know that I drank out of that oh that's awesome he must meet some some great people through all of this so many different shows all these different people that you're interacting with it's got to be and, and you must meet other painters at these events, too, I'm sure. Yeah, I meet lots of painters at the shows and then lots of painters on Facebook. And I have friends that think Facebook is the devil and Instagram is evil and you shouldn't be anything online. Well, my wife and I were lucky enough to go to SEMA last year. I don't know if you guys know about it, but it's a specialty equipment marketplace for automotive stuff and bikes and paint and anything and anything that's in the industry of working on or painting is at this show once a year in Vegas. It's the trade show. And I had been friends with people from TV shows on Facebook. And then we yeah. get there and we were walking around and we get to meet some in person. And they were having an after party at Count's Customs. Oh, dude. And, I watched that show yeah. religiously. <laughs> and a friend of ours had already gotten two tickets, one for me, one for my friend Daryl that's also a painter. And I bumped into Ryan Evans. He's the head painter on yeah. that show. Yep. And we were in line with the, the, with the yeah. twisted goatee. Yeah. And we were in line waiting to meet somebody. And he walked up and he's like, hey, Rick, what's going on? And I'm like, hey, Ryan, cool to see you in person. We're trying to get to the after party. We have two tickets. We need one more. And he's like, here, here's my phone number. You know, and I call, well, he, he called my phone to get his number. Yeah. He goes, you got my number now. When you guys get to the party, just call me and I'll sneak Sue in the back door if you don't get a ticket by then. I'm like, <laughs> all right, cool. Dude. So Seamer ends and we go to the show. We're we're at Counts Customs, free food, free drinks. We're walking around. We're inside the the place where they film the thing. Showroom there. Yeah, we go through the showroom. We're in the back now where they're painting, and we get to the we get to the room, and I see my friend Daryl that's there staying with us in Vegas, and he's pinstriping a toolbox, and it's a big toolbox, and there's painters all around it, and they're all working on it. It's like a charity piece that they're they're all putting lines on. Some standing there looking at it, watching Daryl paint, kind of kind of teasing him because he doesn't do that kind of paint work yeah <laughs> and then um you know when daryl's done he hands me the brush he goes go ahead you're up i'm like what do you mean i'm up and ryan goes yeah go ahead throw some lines down i'm like holy shit wow yeah, i'm in so i put my drink down and grabbed the brush and told him to pick me out a color and i started going to town on this toolbox yeah and then i stand back and i'm looking at him like wow that's pretty fucking cool i'm getting all excited yeah and there's a couple behind me and they go yeah, that's badass, and you're a lot faster than the other guy. He was slow. I'm like, yeah, it's because that other guy doesn't really do that kind of painting. <laughs> and then we start talking, 
Yeah. And they go, where are you from? I said, because I, I said, the crazy part is that I'm just a new guy from New Hampshire that's here because I knew people on Facebook and now I'm in this party with all these legends of everything right. in the automotive industry. Like everybody that's anybody on every TV show was at this party. And the girl, and she goes, oh, where are you from in New Hampshire? And I tell her I'm from Plasto. And she goes, oh, we, my cousin lives in Plasto. And he tells they tell me the name of their cousin. And it was a kid that I grew up with. So wow. these, these people were there from Massachusetts world, huh? and Vegas. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, that is a small world. And that guy that we met that was from Sturbridge, Mass., they ended up buying the toolbox that we all painted. So, oh, super cool. So it was a, a cool little story to the whole to the whole thing. So if you ever get the chance to open a business and be in the industry, you got to yeah. go to SEMA because there's a lot of shit to see. If you walk up and down every aisle, it's 41 miles wow. of of booths. So crazy. Booths and tents and that is nuts. Drift tracks and jump tracks and BMX. It seem like those. I would just bring are... one of those rascals and be like, "Yeah, I'm handicapped. I can't even walk." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we talked <laughs> 41 about 41 miles to put down. <laughs> we talked about doing that. It's only like three or four days, so you really got to be fast and you got to you got to go at a good clip just to try to see everything. We didn't see everything. You know, there's two big buildings of just tires. We we run on the market for tires, so we didn't yeah. care about that. But we were building a truck with air rides. So we wanted to meet all the air ride people, and we wanted to see the different things with paint and go to the different paint booths. So that was wild. Is it expensive to get tickets for something like that? It's very cheap. It was like $35. Wow. That's for, God, f- for four days. And so what he was telling before, that you would be able to get in because you have a registered... Um, oh, that's all you need is LLC? You need just a business certificate a certificate wow. of business and a business card with your address so open a business whether it's llc or dba or anything yeah so, so i have an llc yeah, so, so a business certificate that shows you're in the industry and a business card with your address which aren't on my regular business cards i had to make some up just for that so you send that that to them with a picture of what you do you know yeah. some of your work and then they approve you and then once you're approved you're in and That's you just tell cool. them you're going so then you can you can go and you can bring your spouse. She can go. Yeah. Or you can bring an employee if you have W twos and tax forms to oh, show that they gotta be to show that Loctite works for you. Yeah. And then they even go one step further. Like I couldn't dress up Loctite in a dress and bring them with my wife's credentials. I had to get there with my credentials, bring her, then show all of our IDs to match up, prove that she was my wife, and then she got her credentials. So that, that's the whole thing. That's so, badass that it's only open to like people in in the industry. In the industry, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's huge. Like it's the whole convention center and parking lots and buildings and hotels. Like it takes over Vegas. Like this is the same scene that everybody builds like the cars and shit for, yeah. right? It's not yep. two separate things. Oh, same thing. So same all the right. all the car reveals, all the bike reveals, yeah, all the new products. Like every TV show that built the car that year, that like they always talk about, we're bringing this to SEMA. We're right. bringing this to SEMA. So we walked around and we saw everybody. That's wild because I know we, so in the welding world everybody talks about Fabtech. That's like I, I'm assuming that's the equivalent of SEMA, where that's like where all the welding people go to see all the latest machines, all the new stuff that's coming out that year. They yeah. have Fabtech, but it's not cheap. So that's why I was I was surprised to hear it's only thirty five bucks. Yeah, it was like thirty five or forty five Fabtech. Thirty five or forty five a piece for the tickets. Wow, that's a smoking deal. But I mean, then you got to figure in the plane ticket to get. There. Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> any the other cost, yeah. but then. It's even more cost if you're talking Fabtech. The fact that it's like a couple hundred is... Yeah, it, that's... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was cheaper than we thought it was going to be. It was very reasonable for what you get. And then walking around and seeing everything, it's 
I mean, there's things that you would... Just being there, getting to see the Count's Customs thing, too. That's super cool. Getting to meet... So it sounds like you already knew him before then? Yeah, I already knew him from Facebook. We had already talked. We, gotcha. You know, he talked about my work, and you know, him and I have compared notes. And then other painters on his show, you know, Lonnie Spears, another painter, and Horny Mike, we had met in New Jersey. So we had yeah. already met him, partied with him at Dead Man's Curve. Seems like a wild guy. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's very wild. With a name like that, you better be. Yeah, because my, yeah. my wife wanted to meet him and get an autograph. So we were in line, and he was like an hour and a half late. And I'm like, what happened? Why, why are you so late? And he's like, oh, we partied till like 3 in the morning. He's like, you've seen Counts Customs. You've seen yeah. the show. You yeah. knew I'd be late. Yeah. And I'm like, so what you're saying is you need a drink. He's like, oh, I would love one, but I can't leave to go to the bar. I'm like, I'll be right back. So I went to the bar, got two drinks, came yeah. back, gave him a drink. He brought Sue and I behind the rope. Now we're hanging out with him. So as Dude, the, alcohol is the consistent yeah. theme yeah. here that gets you everywhere. Yeah. So as he's as <laughs> alcohol he's, and Facebook, as he's waiting for the next person to come in, it's a deadly to, mix to meet. You know, he's talking to us in the meantime. Then he goes see the person, yeah. shake hands, smile, take a picture, send them away. So what do you guys do? Blah blah blah. Yeah, and just talking. So it was good. So when we got to, you know, when we got out there and then saw him and we saw, um, I can't think of the other show, the, uh, the Martin Brothers. I forget they're in Austin, Texas. I can't think of the Texas Texas Metal. I think. No, not Texas Metal. I can't think of the name of the show. But in his booth, when you went to meet him, yep. he, he brought everybody that's on the TV show and everybody that sweeps the floor and like their cousins like he had like 12 people in his booth Shit. and we went through and met them all and then we went to Count's Customs after party they were all there again and we met all those guys there damn so it was just fun just Facebook and alcohol and and paint and paint it all sounds like the name of the episode right. Facebook and alcohol I was and just paint. gonna write it down <laughs> it just brought everything together and I don't want the people in TV land or podcast land to think that i'm a raging alcoholic my wife runs a tight ship i'm allowed to drink one night a week that's fridays you should get into that about how this all became with the drinking how it all became like how it went before the fact uh, of jack daniel like my custom bike story why I, yeah. why i drink <laughs> yeah so i had a really messed up family and childhood friends and a lot of people that were drug addicts alcoholics and i always vowed never to become like them and never drink never be the devil never be evil be straight and narrow i could still be a tattooed freak but never drink and then when i was 33 years old i bought a thirty-six thousand dollar custom bike wow and it broke down every day no when, and, what and was it it was a borgette low blow Oh, okay. Oil in the frame, 113-inch S&S, you know, just crazy over-the-top bike that I spent way too much money on and I shouldn't have. And I was cool for like two years, and then it just started falling apart and expensive pieces broke. Everything on the bike broke. And one day, my wife was having a Mike's Hard Lemonade while we were building a gazebo for our hot tub. And the bike broke down, and we came back home, and I said, give me that thing. And I started drinking all of her Mike's Hard Lemonade, because she was a drinker and I wasn't. Yeah. And it didn't work. I was too heavy, too fat for Mike's Hard Lemonade to do anything to me. So then my wife and I got some <laughs> vodka, and we started doing lemon drops. And then I was on the floor drooling, and I said, yep, now I'm a drinker. And then, <laughs> Dude, only until 33. 33. So you so didn't have any alcohol until 33. Not a sip of alcohol. That is incredible. And I'm still drug-free, and yeah. I don't do anything. I'm, I just drink. Because as you can see from my collection, if I smoked weed with you guys tomorrow, I'd be shooting heroin. I'm, I'm, I'm too compulsive. I always tell people this. I'm like, I cannot do, like, 
and I've, I've I've stretched this a little bit sometimes, but it's, me and any kind of hard drug is always a bad mix because same reason. I just whenever I do something, it's like above and beyond what a normal person would ever do. Yeah, <laughs> casual. Yeah, I'm to, I'm, to the, yeah. I'm to the extreme. Like as you can see, like people that that paint, they might have one or two rat finks, and if you look around this room, there's like a thousand different rat fink yeah, items. Yeah, so we didn't even touch on that, but the the collecting is also on the on the next level. It's like the painting seems like you you went headfirst into that. You, the rat fink is something that some people collect. You have a shit ton of, and the Coca Cola is a whole nother level. There's a whole room. Yeah, that's dedicated. A, yeah, that's a whole episode. We uh, it just got out of hand. We had a game room at our old house, and we bought a Coke machine and a case of Coke and a sign. And a few years later, we had a room that was completely full. It just got out of hand. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> it and, just happens. And over down time. down in the kitchen, my wife collects cows. Our kitchen is full of cows and hood milk and Borden's milk, and it just gets out of hand. And you just go places, <laughs> and you you find a piece here, you find a piece there, and yeah. You know, same with bicycles. When I was a kid, I always wanted a Schwinn Stingray with a shifter and be cool and do skids and pop wheelies, and I couldn't afford one. They were too much money. And then even years, 10 years ago, I still wanted one. They were still too much money. And now that I'm making a little bit of money and I have some mad money, yeah. now I, I bought one last year. And then this year I bought three or four more. I was going to say, I'm like, I saw multiple, though. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, there might be like 20 of them now. They but stack up. It's st they stack up. I got to the point where Sue would come home and find bikes that weren't here. Like she didn't know where these extra bikes came from. <laughs> Downstairs. Oh, oh we yeah. had that one. That yeah, that that one was there. Yeah, so it just gets out of hand, so I but don't know. It's, but it's 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 all displayed nicely, which is a good part. Yeah. It's not just sitting like in a giant pile in the corner of the room. Well, it was last week. We just revamped this room. Oh, well, it's looking good now. And yeah. that, that bookcase that, you see there. This room is much different from when I was here last weekend. That bookcase that you see there, we, we went and bought that from uh, a widow had that. Her husband was a collector and he passed away. So we bought that whole, that whole menagerie of different things. Oh, all those things you bought with it. Everything. We bought the bookcase and everything in it. Wow, that's and cool. Couple, and a couple other pieces over here. Some rare items that were, you know, uh, Ed Roth custom model paint and things like that. Damn. And then while we were there, we were talking about collecting, and I told her how I was a bicycle nut. And then she's like, oh, I got a bicycle out in the in the garage. I'm like, it doesn't have a banana seat, does it? She goes, yeah. I said, it doesn't have a shifter, does it? And she said, yeah. Well, now that bike is in my what garage. What fucking odds, huh? <laughs> Another shifter bike? <laughs> yeah. So while we were there, I bought that. And I like I knew what the bike was worth. Yeah. So I knew what I wanted to offer. I wanted to go in low, but I didn't want to insult her, and I wanted to close the deal. So I offered her my my amount, and she, it was like American Pickers. She looked yeah. at me and started laughing, and she's like, "Yes, hell yes, I'll do that." I'm like, oh fuck, I went too high. You didn't even think about that. You instantly said yes. Yeah, and then you Shit. just immediately she's gonna throw it in with a bookcase. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. She's like, "Get this thing out of here." <laughs> He's like, now I got another bicycle hidden behind this bookshelf. <laughs> so, like, here's a, I don't know if you remember doing models, but that was Tester's paint. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was Ed Roth custom paint, the guy that created the Rat Fink. Yeah. He would sell that at the yeah, hobby so stores. Cool. No shit. So that was, uh, yeah, Roth custom paint. So she had this box that's a case of that paint unopened. The hobby store never opened it, and... 
they got Ed Roth to sign the box. Wow. So just to yes. find the box is wow. rare. But then to find, you know, that is even crazier. And then they also had, like, cans of the paint. So to find one of these cans of paint is is like a treasure and, you know, one in a, one, one in a lifetime find. Dude, yeah. sign these too. Yeah, she had four of them, and they're all signed. You know, just things that you would never, never oh, ever find. Yeah. yeah, the kind of thing where you wouldn't even know it was out there until somebody just has it for yeah. whatever reason. And Rat Fink was created by a guy that was a car builder, bike builder, pinstriper. His name was Ed Roth. And his first shop was right next to Disneyland in California. And he's there trying to work and have a good time and build custom cars. And he built a lot of bubble cars with the bubble tops. Yeah. And he'd see all these little pukes walking by with the Mickey Mouse shirts. And he hated the Mickey Mouse shirt. Mm -hmm. So that's why he created the Rat Fink. The Rat Fink is the anti-hero. The dirty, sweaty Rat Fink. (laughs) He's got this. He's got the sweat things coming off. And oh yeah, like, he kind of. He's got the same like jumpsuit over here. It yeah. looks a lot like him. So he's got the flies and the broken toe and the tail's got a tie on it. It's the uh, the bad version of of Mickey Mouse. And he started selling those at car shows, and it went crazy and it and it went wild. And he made <laughs> made tons and tons of money selling the the evil Mickey Mouse. That is so wild. It's so huh? funny because I've heard this story before, but never. Like in a room full of rat fang shit. Yeah. And now, like I look at it, I'm like, that really does look like a cracked out Mickey Mouse. And then, and then he started getting more and more popular because he built a custom car, and then Ravel Models wanted to make a model kit for his car. Oh man! So he built the Outlaw and the Beatnik Bandit, and they made Ravel Models, and he made tons of money doing the model. And every time he built a new car, they'd want to do a new model. So over the years, he made tons and tons of money. On models and rat so things. many different models, yeah. So not to change topics too quick here, but as somebody who's never done pinstriping before, what kind of equipment would I have to get in order to get started in this kind of thing? You need to get a pinstriping brush, a can of one-shot paint, yeah, some mineral spirits, and a DVD to show you how to do it, or go on YouTube. But the best way to do it is the Wizards DVD. So we're looking at, you guys can't see this, but we're looking at a DVD. Wizards is the name, Pinstriping Masters. We got the dagger one here, and we got Scroll. Yeah. Dude, I haven't held a DVD in a very long time. <laughs> Just as I'm picking this case up, I'm like, how long has it been since I held a case that had a DVD in it? So can you like go about like uh, the do's and don'ts on picking a brush? Because we're Cause, like, I know, to do like, this I know, like, if somebody there, like right? looks, if they're like, "All right, I need a pinstripe brush," and they just type in pinstriping brushes, is going to be hundreds. You know what I mean? And some people could do the same thing I did. It was like, "Oh, well, I'll buy this kit and then get these brushes that absolutely suck dick." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the best thing to do is just get a a Mac King Thirteen or a Mac Vondego Pro Series. Those are the two most versatile. Newer brushes that are already cut down, already trimmed, ready to roll. So those two brushes, one can of paint, which is like $15, depending upon the color, and some mineral spirits. And that in YouTube and a DVD, and you can practice and learn and decide if it's something that you're going to want to pursue, if it's worth doing, if you have the talent to do it, or the attitude to do it, just like... I tried to play the guitar several times. I've owned many guitars, and I can't play anything besides Smoke in the Water. 
because I didn't <laughs> practice, I didn't try, yeah. I didn't put the time in. The pinstriping, I put the time in, so it all worked out. So after you try your, your little brush and your paint and you think you can do it, then you can proceed, buy more colors, buy more DVDs, buy more books, watch more YouTube. That's the easiest way to start out. I have friends that bought a, you know, 10 colors and four brushes and every book there was. And a month later, I was buying all that stuff off them because they decided they didn't like it. They yeah, essentially, it. you could give a hand, like a try at this for less than 50 bucks. Right. That I was, was, really I was cool. like your friend, though. I was like, I need the kit that has the most paint. The most brushes. I need a toolbox. I need a brush case. Right. I need this. Yeah. <laughs> right. I need an embroidered apron with a name on it. And that just like goes like what we were saying before. Like when I do something, I'm like all the fuck in. Yeah. Well, I feel like there <laughs> is a desire to want to start. Like I hit up uh, Steel City Blacksmithing because uh, there's a couple things. My kids watch a lot of Forge and Fire, and I was like, oh, I, you know, what would I need to get into forging? And he was showing me like the low end of what you could buy, and I was like, well. What if I want to get like all the shit and I want it to be good shit because I don't want to rebuy it later? And then you kind of go down that rabbit hole of like, okay, now I'm like five hundred dollars beyond like what what was suggested as what could get you going. And maybe I think uh, similar to you, sometimes you have this tendency to want to just jump way past where you are before you know whether you like it or not. Dude, you were so into the forging thing that I got into forging somehow. Yeah, like you talked about it so much to me, I was like. I need all this shit. <laughs> yeah. The hype was like at peak. Neither peak one of us bought anything. <laughs> no. And I think that's what happens is, is you, you go far down the rabbit hole and then you're like, oh man, it's too expensive. I don't think I can even afford to begin this hobby right now. Yeah. And that's why he was talking me back out of it. And he was like, listen, get the small forge. You're not doing anything. The things I want to make are not things that need like crazy big shit. The same way if I was going to start pinstriping, I'm not going to be doing anything beyond the most basic designs and that's what probably most people listening to this are going to be doing. So a Mac thirteen, a Mac King thirteen, King thirteen, um, or, or a Vondego Pro series, both made by Mac. Vondego Pro, Pro series, or a King thirteen. Got it. A can of one shot paint, and the mineral spirits are the reducer. Or yeah, you can use the mineral spirits to reduce the paint, and you can go on YouTube and see how to palette and reduce paint. And it also use that to clean the brush. And then after you clean the brush, throw a little motor oil on the brush to keep it soft and in shape. And, uh, I will say, I think it's Eastwood has one has a video on YouTube that's pretty good. They break it down pretty well for somebody that's never pinstriped before. Yeah, on the paladin, you mean? Uh, not so much on the pa- he gets a little bit in the paladin, but like a lot on like how to hold the brush, how to like find a balance, and mm-hmm. all that kind of shit. Yeah, because yeah. that. So when we do end up doing this in, in a little bit here, that those are the kind of things that, as a new person, how you hold the brush, you have, I have no idea. I see a lot of people putting the fucking pinky down. That looks like fun. The, well, the weirdest like part is like you're balance. so used to holding a pencil or a pen. Yeah, and, and I like hold a anything pencil, else. I hold a pencil like a shit bag, so it's like oh, so you, you know those, right you know those <laughs> things that like they used to give you that would wrap around the pencil so that you would hold yeah. it properly. I was always just like, nope. <laughs> just fucking double grip over the top. Never fucking cared about it, so I can only imagine that that you you need to be a little more delicate with the way you hold a brush. How do you grip it? Uh, with your thumb and your fing- index so finger. So just between two fingers. Yeah, and there's a flat side. Yep. So if you're right-handed, your thumb goes on that flat side. Got some it. some people hold it down there. Some people will come up here. So when they turn, it's a little easier to turn. 
And right. then, like you say, you put your little feminine pinky so you out. You do the pinky down. Outriggers. You have to. And you, you can use your other hand also, and then have outriggers so you can make the line. What Just you're hearing a is a very straight line. <laughs> that's the finger grab. That's the brakes. Gotcha. And you so gotta, and you got to learn how to put the right pressure down on your pinkies or your other fingers to get the brakes to slow down and but not skip. Sometimes if fingers are too sticky, then they skip. This happened to me last time. And so all that hand lines. sanitizer you got knocked that off. <laughs> <laughs> you got no natural oils left. Every toe, every toe. In and out of the truck. I'm doing it. <laughs> But yeah, those are the basic things. Gotcha. Brush, can of paint, mineral spirits, uh, some ambition, yeah, and, and just keep practicing and going for it. So one thing I dealt with was when I first started was knowing how pinstriping design should look. Yeah, so because like automatically I want to do like I don't know why, but I want to do like that like I was described as like Japanese lettering, which is like a bunch of weird like chopstick fucking weird straight point designs calligraphy right like no cause calligraphy has like nice like swoopy shit but this is yeah. like literally like Chinese writing like just like points on everything and it looks terrible when you pinstripe like that um so what I did is I, was, I always go through like Google or any of like the um, pinstriping pages on Facebook yeah. and I would just save every photo that I thought looked cool and then like on my breaks or like if I'm sitting on the couch I'll just I have literally on my phone I think I have like 200 and something pinstriping pictures and I'll just like flip through them and like see what a pinstriping design is supposed to look like yeah. and now it's like burned in my head I'm like alright well I need to do this don't leave this line open or shit like that the bottom has to come down much further than the rest this is, this is a common theme I see where it kind of comes down yeah, and then the top comes tends down to and like leaf up. up more but that's like so if you just got your brush you got your your paint you learned how to palette it properly do you advise that people look up a design and then try to mimic it? Or do you advise that they just practice straight lines? Like, where does somebody... Is where are you going to have me begin, I guess I should say? So there's a rule. There's, like, ten different types of lines. You're supposed to do each one ten... Each one a thousand times. So when you're done practicing, you should have ten thousand lines of straights, curves, C-curves, L's, mm -hmm. double curves... So in one of the videos, it tells you you should do that. So the first day that I was striping, I had the back of a stop sign, and I filled it with straight lines and curved lines, and then I invited my wife, and I said, here, count all these lines, see where I'm at. I don't know how many more i got to do before I can start doing designs. And I still had way too many, so I went ahead and started doing designs, which is the worst thing to do, because you're supposed to be able to do perfect straight lines, perfect curved lines, have symmetry and spacing, and be able to do all that. <laughs> Before you go into a design, which is no fun. You, nobody wants to do that for months or a year. So, yeah. <laughs> but people that do, when they do finally shoot into doing designs, they're a lot better. So I went into designs too early, so I had to go back, learn how to do some better straight lines and better consistency and line quality, and then go into the designs. So on the like the pinstriper pages on Facebook, you'll see people, I just bought this brush last week, I just pinstriped this bike, what do you think? And you can look at it and see a hundred things that are wrong, and you got to tell them... You need to just go do some straight lines and focus and and settle down. Settle. People people love being told those things, right? Yeah, <laughs> it never it never works out. In the beginning, I tried to help some people, but some people just you can't just you can't talk to some people. I've made a lot of friends by talking to people and helping them, and I have a lot of you know pros that have helped me over the years talking, and we became good friends because of that because they helped me out a lot. So the biggest thing is if somebody in your area is a striper that is friendly and willing to show somebody new how to do it, that's a good way to learn. 
if they're if they're willing to share their knowledge, which some some are, some aren't. Most old timers that that have done it for their career, they're not going to tell you anything. That's well, it's been some cool the, to watch you working with Loctite on this because it seems like it's been a good combo where yeah. you've been doing it long enough that you have a lot to teach people, and you're. It's a date when I so I just tried playing the first time last last week, and I. Yeah, yeah. And I left here and changed my entire setup on the way I do shit. Because I was doing it wrong the whole time. Well, not, In what I wouldn't way? say... Like, what's one thing you changed when you got home? So I changed the clipboard that I use. I changed how I palette paint. I changed... Um, I got those little holders right there. So I have my uh, reducer on hand. Because yep. before, I was using a big jar. And you muddy up a jar pretty quick. <clears throat> yeah. And you go through a lot of fucking mineral spirits. Because you've got to fill it up so far so you can reach. So I would not. I would tend to not reduce my paint enough because I don't want to keep going through mineral spirits. So I would just be painting dry. Right. Um, he actually had me do some lines and curves before he would even before we even started design. And the funny thing about that is, I <laughs> so I seen this rule when I first started like a thousand um, times for each line, and I was like, "Listen, I ain't got the time for that shit." Boom! Whack out a fucking panel. Yeah. yeah. And like, but what if I'm a natural? Yeah, yeah just... exactly. <laughs> and so I, I will say I've never done the thousand lines thing. Um, I do try to like before I do a panel because I don't do it every night like I should. I will always try to whack out like ten or fifteen of each before I paint. That, that I can just get like in the rhythm again. Yeah. But um, I think he's right. If I did the thousand lines, I would. I think I would be further along than I am now. <laughs> I think that I have to feel like everybody who gets into this thinks to themselves, like, the only way I'm going to find out if I'm a natural at this is if I stop doing these straight lines. Somebody actually commented on the, the post design. that we did, like, watch Grease be a fucking natural and kill this. <laughs> I don't think that that exists, though, with something this delicate. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so I thought maybe because Maybe some I, people learn faster, but I, I, you wouldn't... If you've never held the brush... I, I thought because I tattooed before yeah. for, like, five years, I was like, this is just like fucking tattooing. Yeah. No, the fuck, it's not. Anybody that thinks that, no, it's not. But I would love to meet the kind of person that actually does the 10,000 lines and doesn't, like, for a minute, just think to themselves, I could probably go right into this. Like, who is imagine, that guy? you imagine doing the 10,000 lines and be like, this isn't for me? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would be... It's dedication to just draw straight fucking lines. So I don't know if you showed you that picture, but I did the design on the right. So I did a line, he did a line. His is on the left. Yeah. So for the little bit of time that he's invested and in, the lot of time that I have... He did really well. Dude, it looks great. So he's better than people that I know that, that make money at it, and he's given his work away. Yeah, and I think that goes because, like what you said, I haven't built the confidence yet. And like, so I just did a gas tank for a kid, and uh, he's a wicked good dude. He's brought his bike to our shop, and we did, like, um, Fat Man, who's in the, who we share a shop, he did a full motor bill for the kid and whatever. So he's seen I was paint, um, pinstriping. He was like, hey, I just got a new tank. I want you to do it. So I was like, all right, cool. Just buy whatever paint you want, and that's how you'll pay me. So I did the whole thing. He shows up this weekend. He's fucking absolutely stoked on it. I think I showed you the picture with the brass knuckles and all that stuff. Yeah, I did, like, yeah. the red and gray. And uh, he's like, hey, I super appreciate this. Uh, what do I owe you? And I'm like, nothing. I told you it was just for the paint. He's like, well, hey, you gone. Threw me a $60 tip. And I was like, fucking A, dude. It's awesome. <laughs> so that's what I was telling people. Like, just bring me the supplies for the thing so I'm not coming out of pocket. Yeah. And then... If you dig in, you want to throw a tip? Cool, I'm not going to say no. But did you get some jack out of this, though? That's like, that's the ultimate question. No, so, yeah. I, so a kid just, um, I won't say his name because I don't know what, 
what his plans are, but he was like, hey, I, I want to do the cluster for my tank. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, send it to me. I'll do it. And he's like, you drink whiskey, right? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, just so happens I live in a state that's known for whiskey and whiskey that you can't get, so I'm going to send a few bottles up. And I'm like, fucking perfect. Where, what state? I think, I want to say you said Tennessee, maybe, it's or Kentucky. Be, yeah, Tennessee. Yeah. Well, yeah, Kentucky would have bourbon that you probably couldn't get uh, elsewhere. So there's a little thing you can see, the, the line consistency, how the line, you know, stays. The same width, yeah. The same width, the same shape, and then, not to knock yours, but you can see, like, see, like yeah, the get, blood up there. Yeah, it gets a little thicker So he went there. a little wider, and he was chasing it, trying to catch it and fix it, and then it gets out of hand, but he whipped this curve out like nobody's business. So that curve right there, I've never attempted a curve it's, like it's that. It's hard to do, and he just... And he was like, hey, do this one. So he did the curve, and dude, I was so nervous cause I've never done a curve that tight and that long. Yeah. Dude, in the way it just, like, because I watched how he did it and how he moved his hand, and it just, like, banged it right out. I was, like, smiling like I just took my first steps as a child. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> I was like, I never knew I could do that. Yeah, it just <laughs> seems like such a weird... Yeah, I think that's the best thing about painting with him is like he'll make me do stuff that I would never try on my own because I, in my mind, I'm like I can never do that. Yeah, that's wild. It does seem like the kind of thing that's similar to calligraphy. You have to. Sh it's gonna sound weird, but you have to stroke confidently because if you don't, you're gonna hesitate and it's gonna be wiggly and shitty. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like playing pool. My one of my teachers used to say, "You got to stroke it, don't poke it." <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Speaking of other names for the episode, <laughs> it's a tough one between stroking and poking and Facebook alcohol and paint. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So, what do you say we uh, dive into a little bit of this? Yeah, are you ready? I don't think so, but I don't think I'm going to get any readier by not doing it, so we might as well give it a shot. Yeah, so, not to jump backwards, but I think yeah. he is from Kentucky. He's got to be. Because that's the only place that they can make bourbon. So you know, so here's what makes me nervous about this, too. Is I think I'm decent enough to... It's just a small piece that he's having me do. You, that's what I'm saying, like a cluster. Like, you know the thing that wraps around on the top of the gas tank? Yeah. Because just that. It's very small. Um, but he also had his helmets done. Oh, sick. And that's it. So that's his name. You know who it is. But his helmet's done. And the tank is done... Very nicely. Damn. That looks so, crazy. like, there's a lot of other shit on there, and I'm like, fuck, dude. Because, <laughs> like, somebody else's shit, people are going to compare all that. You know what I mean? It's all done by different people. I wish I knew what you would be thinking when you'd be looking at something like this. Because I'm looking at it as a guy that's just like, oh, it's a cool tank. I'm thinking, <laughs> like I'm thinking of Kool Aid smashing through the wall. Hey, yeah. Kool Aid. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that commercial. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a better pick of the Kool Aid, dude. That's badass. Wow, it's that's super so cool, cool bike. Man. I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. I'm pumped. And like, it's not a big area that I'm doing, so I'm not like too worried about it. Um, but it was just super cool that people like reaching out, like, hey, I want to get one of your pieces done. Oh, absolutely. That, that thing's all metal flake, too. Yeah. So you want to, here, will you fire that live feed up? Because I want to get the steps if we can. Um, but this is part of this week's episode. Uh, we are with Rick Pierce from Stitches Garage. Um, you guys heard me mention him last week. Um, this week, this is, uh, we're going to have Grease um, do some pitch time for the first time. Rick's going to walk him through it. And uh, this will kind of give you, like, the the things that say, people Greece. struggle with when they yeah. first start. And, oh, I see. Um, and Rick will tell him, like, how to correct those problems that he's having, blah, blah, blah. So it's, like, kind of a way to walk somebody new through. You guys can watch it live. 
So, without further ado, let me flip this thing around. I want to show you guys the whole thing. I love that color. So, so right now we're just running the, the brush through there, filling it in, getting it in. They call this palleting. Gosh, and this is just the paint with no... That's just the paint. No, no reducer, no nothing. That's reducer in there. Gotcha. And this is what we were saying. The guys in the live feed haven't heard the episode yet, but we were this we were talking earlier about using only a small amount of reducer as opposed to putting a ton of it in there, or like dipping it directly into the fucking reducer can. Right. So you're not contaminating everything. That makes sense. So get it all loaded in, and then give it a test drive, see how it feels. Try to pull a line. This is really satisfying to watch in person. <laughs> I've actually never seen somebody do it like up for close you, For like you this. to watch me. And in a few yeah. minutes when we're watching you, it might not be as satisfying. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little weird. Satisfaction <laughs> level low. And then you just try to do the one next to it, try to keep the same spacing without moving the panel. That's a good point. Do you, like, tape the panels down when you do... No, so this is a problem I said last when we were talking about the sticky fingers. Yeah. This is what the sticky fingers... <laughs> this is when you're trying to pull and it's, like, jerking the panel. And that's when you get, like, the weird bumpy lines and shit. Gotcha. Got to adjust the brakes, like you were saying so this earlier. Would be, <clears throat> the, uh, this would be, like, one part of doing the... The 10,000. Like, the 10,000 thing. That yeah, explain like. to the people listening to the live, because they didn't hear that part. So, basically... So, you, they say to do a 1,000 straight lines, a 1,000 C-curves, you know, this way. Keep practicing those. Do those for weeks and weeks and weeks. Started, started to flare out a little bit there, so I'm going to dip it in the reducer, so, run it through, make it a little thinner. So is the reducer something that you're doing continually, like af as you continue painting, you're, you <laughs> yeah, keep every, going back in the paint? You every time you do a line, you do that, you feel it. You should almost pull the pull this away. So then you would, you know, do lines the other way. You know, do that a thousand of those, then do a thousand this way. Oh, that's that right. You got to go up and down and everything. You know, and then you got to practice doing thicker lines where you just press down. And you get a much thicker line. See, this is the one thing I always forget that my brush can do more than one. Wow. Width. Yeah, that's crazy. That you don't. And like when you throw something in like this and you do like thin too thick, like when you start out thin and then you go thick, it makes it a world of fucking difference. What do they call that? That like scallop thing or the <clears throat> I don't know. <laughs> that's not one of the that's not one of the ten thousand. <laughs> I don't know. That that's just a straight and a C together. Gotcha. Starts the basic design. And like when you're doing a design, you just mix them all together. Throw in a little teardrop. Do one of these here. And do you always go one for one? Yep. As you do a design? Yep. One on the left, try to re reproduce it on that side. Gotcha. Because you got to remember, like, if you do, say you do four on this side, now you have to completely image four on that side. Right. So it's easy if you just go one, 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 one. Now, is there any trick to the way you let off? I assume that that takes practice, the yeah, way yeah. that you're actually releasing yeah, it. Yeah, you try to, to talk about that at Try all. to come up at the end and try to get them to come off at the same point. And are you kind of tapering? Yep, come up more to just the point. 
and have it blend in. Damn. So believe it or not, it's really hard to get to the point where I see how like that where it meets down the end. It's like a nice crisp point. Yeah, that's what it's I'm saying. It's hard like, to do that. How you how you are supposed to lift the brush up so that it doesn't like because like you automatically want to like shit. where you think you're at that tip. You're already past it. <laughs> so you'll pull up and like your left side will be... So some people will have a design, you know, where they'll do that and they'll try to bring one into it and they'll miss the end and there'll be a crisscross. Like they totally missed yeah, the target. Yeah, they just didn't see it. <laughs> and then you just replicate it on the other side and didn't go fast the other one. No, that's when you start over. So you can see I missed there a little bit, so you can you can just cheat, make this one fatter. Got it. So there are there are fixes you can do. Yeah, you can come in, make it look better. You wouldn't know the difference. Someone that that's knows right. Yeah, you're looking like, at that now. Someone would be like, "Oh, they made it thick because they missed." <laughs> that, that's what I mean. Only only the pinstripers that are familiar with it would know. So once you practice all the lines, then you start throwing all these lines into a thing, and you then you have a design. And you just practice and do it every day for years and years and years. And you can do, you know, better, more accurate ones that look better. Right, doing all sorts of different ones. And now, have you ever, sure, it's happened, uh, just dragged your finger across a paint line that you made, like, elsewhere? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you'll be doing something. If you wanted to, like, make this, say you're going to do a design that went out farther this way. And then you come in and you're like, oh, I'm going to do one of those over there. And, you, you know, you've got your fingers down, you're, you're going right through, and then boom, you're done. Yeah. And, and you're you like, drag fuck, i got to start over. Yeah, you do one of these, and then... <laughs> and then you redo the whole thing. And you hope that nobody watched you do it. Yeah. <laughs> and you just grab your magic eraser. And go right at it. And... Oh, wow, it comes off really fucking easy. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize it was... It's like a whiteboard. Yeah, exactly. So if it's a car or a bike that has really nice gloss, clear, you know, you can do that. It comes right off, start over, no harm, no foul. So what happens if you get, like, pretty decent into it, but like you said, you're pinstriping outside, and it's hot as fuck, and that starts, like, halfway set up? Yep, so it's drying faster. Then what's the you got to work faster. Like, this paint would dry up. you got to throw this paper away, pour new paint out, start over. But what's the move, like, if you mess up, like, how can you erase it if it's already starting to tack up? Uh, you're pretty you're, much fucked at that point. Yeah, you're <laughs> fucked at that point. You you want to make it so that you don't make that mistake, and you when it's hotter and you're into a design, like if you know if you're into a big piece, you're gonna go slower, take more time, try to focus, block everything out. You know, like people will be talking, you can't even hear them. You're just in you're in the zone. You're doing your thing. And this is why it's important to like what you were saying early in the show. These guys don't know yet, but like when you're in between colors, to let that one fully fucking dry. Right. Because like if you mess up and that one's halfway tacked, you're fucked. Yeah. So what I would do if I was doing like blue and ivory or blue and yellow, I would do a piece on the trunk, a piece on the hood, door handles, you know, the the glove box, you know, just little things. Go all the way around the vehicle with the first color. Let yep. that all dry. Go take a drink, have a snack, go in with the second color. And now when you do the second color, you can, you know, put your fingers through it because it's already dry. Do your second color and it's not oh, as much I of a big deal. Oh, I see what deal. you're saying. Then you can go back once it's... Yeah. And when you do your second color, it's easier and quicker because you've already got the base design down. So now you're just going to go around and run things off of that, add to it, and build off it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's less stressful because you already know where you're going to go. 
Right, you got some sort of an outline. Because I was looking at this guitar you got over here, and I'm thinking, how are you not touching the other painted spots? Right. So, like, this guitar here, this is for charity. A friend of ours gave us this guitar to bring to a charity event. We have one of our paint parties, so each color was done by each person. So oh, they, they everybody signed signs. Name. Yeah. So JL, Josh Long, he went first. He did this color. Then Jess went in. She did the next color. I had orange. I did the orange. And then when That's you're done... That's super cool, man. When you're done, you've got a one-of-a-kind piece that would never be replicated unless you get all these people together again with that level of alcohol. <laughs> it's always got to be involved. <laughs> yeah, always. Here's oh, wow. A, Look at this. Here's a multicolor piece. Jeez. So I went through. You, you can see by the layering. I did the orange first, then the red, then the blue, then the green, and then outlined it in white. And now this is something that, because of the way that you base coated it, there is no room for error. Right. It's really rough. This is called amateur metal flaking with no clear out of a spray bomb. There you go. It's it's rattle can, not rattle can, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah. that came out great. And then seeing we're live, I might as well show you the gift that I made for you last night. Oh, dude. I was bored last night, so I made this for you guys. This is badass, man. So that's just some quick and loose freestyle lettering. Amateur lettering, because I'm not really a letterer. Dude, I love it. I love the shading. Is that what you call it? Or shadowing? That would be a drop shadow. Drop yeah. shadow. Yeah. Dude, and, I dig it, man. And these little lines here, that's dry brush. See how the paint's not really coming off that's kind of like dragging? Yep. So you get your take off almost all the paint and just, then just drag it across and let it just pull a little bit off. Dude, I love it. It's got such a great look to it. And it, and it goes on fine, even with this being like a, yeah, so that, like a worn metal. Yeah, so that was like that. I just sanded it and yep. just threw some... Um, Spray polyurethane on there. That's what that is. Oh, so it's oh yeah, it's over top of that. Yeah. Gotcha. I so thought it was like just oily metal. No, that's spray poly. Gotcha. So it kind of locks it in. Dude, that's so cool, man. So you can hang that up in your cave or wherever you guys yes. hide out. Me and Loctite will fight over it. We'll put it in the <laughs> studio at my house. <laughs> <laughs> we'll fight over it, but I'll still end up with it. <laughs> That's right. I got the flag from Deadbeat. Listen, you can paint, all right? <laughs> this is true. You want us all, you got to paint this all. That's it. <laughs> Decided. And one little quick story when you were asking about the environments and painting outside. When I went and took the class with the wizard in Ohio, he gave us this little thing. He said, go home, put a brick under your table leg so your table wobbles. Then get an oscillating fan and have the fan blowing because so when the wind blows, your brush moves. So when you're trying to touch down, you can't line up. So have that go oh, back geez. and forth. Then put two different radios on and have shitty music fighting each other and try to concentrate and try to keep doing designs. And if you can get through all that, then when you go to a car show and you got people yelling and shit going on, you'll do a lot better and you'll be ready for it. So years later, after I've practiced that, all those dumb things that I didn't think would help me, I went to Hot Rods on the Hill in Rhode Island they're having a pinstriping contest. So they invited pinstripers. Yep. They give, bring a piece to paint. It was put on by the Creeps Car Club. So I brought a creeper. 
for the creeps. Mm -hmm. And I got there. They put us on the table. There's another guy painting next to me. And it's windy. The table's wobbling. There's a live band. There's a DJ. Shitty music coming from both areas. <laughs> the brushes are blowing. The table's wobbling. And the guy goes, well, this is horrible conditions. How do they expect me to paint under these conditions? And I said, I've been training for this, motherfucker. Let's go. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. So after everybody painted, then the crowd voted on their favorite piece. And because I trained for all those elements... Oh, shit. Damn. I, I won the contest. Dude, that is cool. That's a great story, too. So I went right home, and I called my teacher in Ohio, and I said, all those things you had me do, it worked out. Because that guy next to me, he wasn't ready. Yeah. That's a great point, man. It's not going to be ideal in all situations. Plus, you're also going to people to do work for them. And who knows how their garage is set up. Right. Who knows if the, if it's indoor, outdoor, what kind of day it's going to be like when you actually yeah. get there. And like my, so my, garage, my garage is warm, bright lights, spaced out. I got a bike lift so I can you know work comfortably. Mm-hmm. I did a, a job for a guy in Danvers. He said, hi. I said, how's your garage? He goes, oh, plenty of light, nice and warm. You'll be you'll be perfect. Come down here and do it because it's cheaper if I go to somebody's place. Yeah, you know, if it's close rather than them bringing the bike, it's easier for them. It's more money if they bring it to me. So if I go to the, it's it's hard to explain. But anyway, so I get there. He's got like a wood stove with like one log burning. It's freezing. He's got like one drop light on the ceiling, and his bike lift is one of those ones that just goes under and you jack up, and the bike tips over. I'm like, what the fuck? Why oh I, Jesus! Why did I even come here? So now, unless I know what the guy's shop is, they got to bring the bike here. Because if they bring it here, it's cheaper and it's better because I have better conditions and it's ideal. Right. Rather than being in, you know, a shithole garage with a dirt floor. Oh, yeah, dude, I can't even imagine what, with, with dust with some of the stuff. If you have to go somewhere, do you ask for pictures at this point? Yeah, I do, actually. That's a, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So, and people think they have good lighting, but lighting is hard, <laughs> you know. Like, I used to think I had good lighting until I bought all new LED lights now that I see what real lights look like. like yeah. I don't know how I worked in the dark before. Yeah, that's the next step. That's I had this you problem in my kitchen. This. Yeah, it sucks. Because I got, like, like, regular, like, kitchen lights, like, on the ceiling. Yeah. And I'll, like, strike something there, and I go down to my garage where I have good lighting, and I'm like, what the fuck? This looks fucking terrible. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, we used to build bikes in our garage with our old lights, and then we started building our truck that we did, a 52 Chevy truck. You know, we needed more lighting and me doing customers' bikes and stuff. We went and bought all new lights, and I'm like, I don't yeah. even know how we did shit before. We were working in the dark. It was mm-hmm. like caveman style. Yeah, I feel you on that. I got to get on that game in my garage. I got one good light. Did you get them right at Walmart for like 23 bucks? Do I have to wipe this thing down, or what do I do here? Yeah, we'll give it a wipe. Give it a little Windex job. I just paint over that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So what's the best way to start? Just doing lines, try to do straight lines? Yeah, just try to run. Or do I first need to see if I'm a natural and try to go right into designs? Go right into a three-color design. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to need a whole kit. With lettering. Three brushes. (laughs) What do you call this thing? The tackle box? (laughs) It's a goddamn toolbox. (laughs) So you're right-handed, right? I am, yep. So you're just going to hold it like that with your thumb right there on the flat part. Gotcha. And like when you're uh, 
Yeah, here, I'll just, see. Just put it down like this and just drag it. And are you doing both sides? Yep, each each time flip. Do I need to do that with it first? I see what you're saying. Yeah, like it has it has a little bit of grab. Yeah. It's not fully wet. Yeah. So go ahead and give that a try. Just try to pull a line down. And so along what are you the doing edge. for? You just put your fingers down. Yep. And just drag. Let me make sure I'm not see I'm gonna drag that piece right away. Is that fun for everyone to hear? Is everyone enjoying that sound? Fun for the whole family. Am I supposed to go and dip it each time? Yes. I've already made a mistake. Yes. <laughs> we'll let it slide. Get a little squiggly there. A little. Yeah, drunk. I know. It's, it's the, I'm telling you, that's the confidence thing. A little drunk driving. i got to get drunker if I'm going to drunk drive like this. <laughs> That's really thin. Does that mean I'm doing something wrong or, or not pushing down hard enough with the brush? You just might not have enough paint. I see what you're saying too, Loctite, about pulling the pulling the piece. Yeah. Shouldn't have had that chili. People are saying that a lot, like, <laughs> shitting yourself on air, best part of the podcast. <laughs> it's feeling a little better. Starting to get there now. For the people that are listening, without <laughs> being able to see what's going on, we're working on some straight lines here. Trying yeah, to get I forgot there. we were recording the podcast at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, please, guys, listen. All you can hear is a fucking squeaking <laughs> ass sound. Grease is uh, pulling his first line. Just the consistent squeals. I feel like you need like a. Which I must say, are not terrible. The thickness is pretty decent all the way down. It's tricky to get the. I don't. What I'm trying to figure out is how much angle you should have, or should it be, or you just dragging kind of like that. You see what I'm saying? For the people listening, I'm trying to basically. Whether you just touch the tip and pull that, or you want a little bit of bend and drag in the actual brush. <laughs> yeah. Uncle Jesse says five strokes in and he's already better. <laughs> Wish it was that way with my wife. <laughs> so it really just depends how thick you want to be. So if you want a thin line, you'd stay up more on the tip. Yep. Gotcha. And then if you want to, you know, just... Getting the the belly down there more gives you a little thicker. And if you really go hardcore and went all the way, yeah. See that when I when I try to get more of the belly down there, yeah. See, so like you got like these out. the spots on the side. Yep, that's exactly what was happening to me. So what's the cure for that? I also haven't touched the reducer even one time. Am I supposed yeah, to be doing that? Yeah, just go in there a little. Get okay. a little looser. Do you know what's the difference when you're pulling it now? Now that it's reduced? Yeah. It just like glides. It does, yeah. It feels better. And that one looks a lot straighter than... And looking at your brush, like your brush, you get a little bit like this. You just need to straighten it a little. 
God, that's right. You said to keep it on the flat side. So I don't know. I'm not like I'm not a fucking pro. Rick, you can chime in on this, but it might be easy if you do with like more of the tips of your finger, because like your index is like halfway down. Yep. Especially once you like start the turn, you're gonna want to be able to roll the brush. You know what I mean? That makes sense. Yeah, like I'm right about there. That's really all that's holding it. And you're putting down what two fingers? Yeah, you can do two or three, but two two works good for me. I keep this one. Almost like a pencil that's underneath, just kind of a, as a guide. These four people listening to the podcast are like, I know. what is going on? Like, this is the least... Should we cut this for right now and just keep the live feed rolling? Um, yeah, let's. we'll cut the actual podcast right now. Yeah. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about... Talk Rick about and, what we Yeah, did. Rick and I talk about how he did and blah, blah, blah. That way you're not hearing the streaking of Grease's pinky finger real fun i'm sure but yeah okay so we'll shut this down for now okay guys we are back after trying my hand at pinstriping for the very first time from never seeing a brush to laying down to going straight to designs just like we talked about how we shouldn't do that naturally we went straight into the designs rick banged out a piece awesome looking piece you'll see it on the live feed and Looking at that one, obviously, there's a huge difference. So if you were teaching a new person and, you, and somebody brought you this panel that I brought you, aside from the fact that obviously you got to practice the lines and how to just recreate things symmetrically, what are the biggest things that stand out that you would say to help somebody with this? So the biggest thing is all of these little open-ender lines. Yep. There can't be any of those. Everything has to have an ending. They can't be any, they call them danglers. Gotcha. Okay, so that's part of the... So if you look at, look at any design, yep. there's no open ends. Every, yeah. every line connects. There's no danglers that weren't finished. Gotcha. So that's like unfinished to leave just open yeah. ends like that. So they always go somewhere. There's always a point. And if there isn't a point where they connect, then there could be like a fat spear thing like this. Right. Some, or, some sort or of Or come like... into the dots. Just something that ends it, so there's no hangers, no danglers. Yep. It's not left unfinished. That so, is good to know. So in any design, we'll always have that. So gotcha. if you see if you see one that has an open ender or a dangler, then you know that that's a newer person or sure or somebody that's ten minutes in. Yeah. So this is ten minutes. Right. It makes it yeah. It makes a big difference, and you see you've got the the thicker ones over here, so they yeah. they come off as like a, a styled thing as right. opposed to just like right. You just started just somewhere and never finished it. Right. And even on the big piece, there's no there's no one single line there that's just hanging. Everything's got a, a point. Everything's got an end. <clears throat> one of my friends, Todd Hansen, he'll do a whole piece like that mm -hmm. where the orange would connect the whole way. It would be one continuous line. Oh, wow. And the blue would be one continuous line. That's wild. But that's another whole level. Yeah, that's crazy. This just looks incredible. So these are fun and easy and loose because I didn't have to be symmetrical. I didn't have to have... They didn't have to match. I just It's just basically like freestyle. Yeah. But I love all the little elements to it, all the little things that you can create. The swoops are, are to be honest, that's like the most surprising thing. I never would have thought that you could do that those style with the brush. You know, and, and taper them, and they're all tapered. 
yeah. symmetrically too. And then the other thing you always want to try to do when you cross over, you want to try to get it close to 90 degrees. The more you, that you're at 90, you get cleaner intersections. When you have ones that are that are too Oh, I see with close. the way that they cross over. Yeah, if they're too close, it gets muddy. It looks messy. Gotcha. Among other things that make yeah. it look messy. And then the other thing is the points. Try to always have the points connect. Yep. We have them hit each other. Yeah. And I was rushing, so even some of these are a little little wobbly. Sure. But that's the biggest thing. No danglers. Try to be symmetrical, one on each side. And then another big thing is negative space. Like the black negative space yep. is more appealing than this negative space because there's too many things close together. There's too many that are just parallel lines too close together. Gotcha. I see what you're you need, saying. You need more negative space. And that, that gives you another color. So like even though it's a two-color design, the negative space makes it three colors because now the black's popping out more. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It mixes it up a little. Yeah. So you always have to have a little bit of room. The more room you have with the, the negative space, it just makes the, the, the design more interesting. That's so cool. Kind of adds to it. Yeah, all these little elements that you wouldn't think of unless you're, like you said, you're doing it for hours and hours a day, every day, just practicing. So, it's so crazy to see what you can make just in, what was that, like 10 minutes? Yeah. Just knock out stuff like that. That must be fun as hell, though, to go to a show and just do a bunch of them. Yeah, it is. It's, it's rewarding. It's fun. Especially when people are watching you and see how quick you did it. Right. I think that would make people want to buy them more too. Like, if they're there and watch it be painted, right. I feel like they like feel like it like puts them in connection with the piece. Yeah. Like we did a car show in Deerfield this summer, the only show that we went to. And I brought a bunch of panels with emblems already attached, and I was painting, and people could pick out the panel if they had a Chevy van, and then tell me what colors, and I'd stripe it, and then they could pick it up on the way out at as oh, at the show. Sick. So we brought a bunch of the, like these things. They're already made up, just waiting. So if you're lucky enough that somebody's at the show, this one's not going to be for sale. This is going to be the fucking Catalina wine mixer. Yeah. Oh, that's... dude, that's <laughs> awesome. You know, like just random cars. Maverick. Stingray. So we go to shows and we buy these at the swap meets, the old emblems. Yeah. And then we're just ready. I and mean, if somebody happens to have that, that type of car, you know, we'll stripe it up and... That would match their display or their interior color. The car guys or... must lose their minds when they find out what you did with these badges. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Especially if they have the prongs on the back. Yeah, you snap the prongs and snap off. them right off. They get a little pissed. <laughs> so when you buy them, you got to be careful. You can't tell them you're making art. You can't tell them it's a, if it's a good one with the prongs or if they've got them laid out on velvet at a swap meet. You know you're not going to buy those. Yeah. I want the guys that have like a bucket of those that worked at a junkyard that saved yeah. them. We buy them for a dollar each. Put them on a $3 panel, you know, paint it up and sell it for 75 Right. I'm making some money. People have cool art to hang in their garage or their man cave. That's awesome. Yeah, what a great idea for, for the pinstripe and stuff. Yeah, and then in between doing vehicles, I just pound these out. It's more and more practice, and I'm getting paid to practice. So it's like these people are paying my tuition to learn how to become a better painter. There you go. So my other ride friend, through school. So my other friends have been painting the same amount of time, but they only do a car once a year. And yep. they're like, how come, you're, how come I'm not as good as you? Well, you're not doing shit. You're watching TV. Right. You're not hustling every day doing the, the practice stuff. But it's cool, the design, or the, not the design specifically, but the, the project ideas that you have. 
that are, like you said, paying for the time, paying for the practice, paying for the materials. And it is cool stuff that people want. It's not just like throwaway stuff that you're doing on a, right. like what I'm doing here, where it's just a panel, you're just practicing, you're turning the practice into profit. Yeah, one year it was a Black Friday sale. I had to go to Kmart at like 6 in the morning. Oh boy. Or like one of those Christmas sales yeah, yeah. at a certain time. I filled my shopping cart with 10 can openers. And people are looking at me like, what the hell is this guy buying can openers for? Yeah. They were like five bucks. But I brought them home, pinstriped them, and then brought them to shows. And people are paying $50 for a striped up can opener. Dude, that's awesome. And, and they love it. And it brings the hot rod stuff into their kitchen. Yeah. That's a good point, because it really does. It's yeah. just regular, you said the soap dispensers, too. It's stuff that you wouldn't really associate with that, but everybody has rooms in their house where they keep all these other things. Right, exactly. People will pick out a color for the soap dispenser and have me do it to match their you know, their towels or their, their shit they have in their bathroom. That's fucking awesome. So and then all that little stuff all adds up to money. Yeah. Do you want to get to a point where you're doing it full-time? Or is that not even the goal? Uh, not really a goal. I, I have a regular career that I make good money, and I have vacation days and insurance and yep. and all that fun stuff. And to go out on your own and deal with insurance and all yeah. that other stuff, it's it's hard. You have to do a lot of painting. Yeah, the insurance. So, excuse me. The insurance part is a big. Yeah, that's so, a big uh, roadblock. So it's more exciting doing my day job, which sometimes isn't as much fun as doing this, but it's guaranteed money. You know, if things dry up, I don't want to be hung out. Yep. And you always, and this seems like the kind of thing where you really don't have any difficulty squeezing it in. Right. And then later in life, after I retire, then this will be a nice little side gig. I'm right. An old fat guy at car shows. <laughs> selling soap dispensers and pinstripe and hot rods. Right. It, That's not be, a bad gig. Yeah, it'll be fun. Got to stay active. Yeah. Got to do something. Dude, that's super cool, man. So I've got 11 more years to practice. That's when I'm retiring. So that I'll be able to do this there stuff all the time. You get all 10,000 lines by then? I'm, I think I passed that. <laughs> I think I passed the 10,000 You could just skip them. That's it. Yeah. No, honestly, it's such a cool skill to have. And like you said, it just it just can blend so many things. All elements of a house can can have some concept of this in it. Yeah. And then in the beginning when I was practicing, I ran out of shit in here to paint. So I like sneak down to my wife's office, steal her stapler, yep. you know, steal her little notebook, bring it up here, paint it, bring it back down, put it back in her office. And she'd come home and what the hell he striped my stapler. Nothing is safe. Nothing is safe. I feel like it's just everything would get, would get grabbed at one point. If it doesn't have pinstripes yet, it's gonna eventually. This thing is sick up here too. It's a huge piece. Long-ass lines. Yeah, a pinstriper friend of mine in Connecticut had that hanging up in her speed shop. And I went down there and fell in love with it and talked her into selling it. Oh, there you go. And she doesn't even know who painted it. She got it years ago from some other guy that didn't know who painted it. But... Yeah, it's not signed, huh? None. No signature. But I, I love... Actually, I also just found out. I remember... I, just, I didn't even know about Hot Rod Jen. Never heard her name before. Yeah. And, uh... Literally, I think the next day after I left your house, one of my buddies hit me up and was like, Hey, you gotta check this chick out. She has a podcast. Her name's Hot Rod Jet. I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> so, for anybody that wants to check that out, um, yeah, apparently she has her own podcast. 
Yeah, and she's on Instagram and Facebook. Her real name is Jen Thomas. I'm actually friends with her. She's really cool. The subcap here she did. And I got oh, nice. a piece downstairs, and she did that orange thing with the wings. She's a phenomenal artist. And she's very helpful showing people how to do it. You mentioned the Eastwood thing on YouTube. Yeah. She did a few of those also. Another thing to remember is, getting into everything. is don't drop the uh, clothes pin. Oh, did it fall in the... Uh, spirits? Oh, you gave him the brush, right? Yeah. Okay. I wiped it down. Uh, well, he pitched that out. Want to run through the sponsor real quick? Yeah, let's do it. So, you see first little, up. Uh, what do you call that? Segway. Yeah, see the Segway? That was I like it. <laughs> first Steve, up, listen, we got... Steve Renella. You know, he's all, do you even listen to the podcast? Not anymore. God. I already heard all the hunts. You already hate hunting? It's everything else. You hate hunting now? I just don't, so his podcast, <laughs> I don't, I don't dislike his podcast. Oh, you better just But I heard about fucking Long Tong Patelis or whatever, and. Dude, Yanni, he's the best. He, there's nothing wrong with him. It's just like, I, I feel like I've heard a lot of the stories already. I also watch his show, so uh, like, I get it, and I like the show because I can see. Rob the Crazy Gentleman, if you're listening, you better write in and tell Grease. That Steve Vanella is God. <laughs> listen, I've listened to probably a hundred episodes of that show. He need to listen to more. I don't think so. I like the. I he like the, my I point like the, was the visual show. My point was that he um, he appreciates a good segue. Yeah. So he would have been proud of that segue. I'm sure he would. We should write in and let him know that we got first up B3, aka Babes Bikes and Beards on Instagram. Once the weather warms up, there's going to be bike nights galore come this spring. So make sure that you are following Babes Bikes and Beards. They're out of the Chelsea, Massachusetts area. So hit them up, get on the Slack team, get on the calendar, and let them know that we sent you. Next up, we got Hypnic Jerk Customs out of Australia. The man behind, I used to say the taillights, but now he's got taillights, headlights, jockey shifters, points covers... And a bunch of other stuff that he's uh, rolling out pretty soon. So go to Hypnic Jerk Customs. How do you spell Hypnic? It's H-Y-P-N-I-C, jerkcustoms.com. Check out what he's got going on. And if you didn't catch it, go back a couple of episodes. We had Cam on the podcast so you can hear the story of him going full time. Next up, we got Steel City Blacksmithing. The homie just got set up in his brand new shop. Slowly getting it decked out, and he is I'm pretty sure he's already swamped with a bunch of orders, but he had time to get those keychains done. So, we're going to be finding some unique ways to give those out uh, originally for the Made in the USA giveaway. But uh, we got more keychains and we got entries, so we got some kicking around. So, we'll be raffling those off pretty soon. He's also doing the oh, hold up, I got a fucking ad read on this one. He sent me a quick message that I don't want to forget to read because I told him I would this time. Okay. So he's just finishing up with those hammers, the traffic cop hammers, and the girl who did the leather sleeves is Pork Choppers Leather on Instagram. Her name is Terry. So if you like her leather work, hit up Pork Choppers Leather and Steel City Blacksmithing. They are selling... A combo product, this traffic cop hammer, twisted steel hammer, all custom leather work. It looks fantastic. So head on over there and check it out. 
Next up, we've got Stay Strong Co. LLC. You have the, uh, the read on this one? He sent something over. Not pulled up. I sent it to you. All right. Hold I it to you in pseudo. We'll get it out of there. All right. Stay Strong Co. Artist of custom multimedia crafts, home goods, fabricated parts, and hot sauce. A.K.A. The Shit is the name of the hot sauce. Absolutely so fantastic. I know I'm not even a hot sauce guy, and this thing changed my mind on it. So hit up Stay Strong Co. on Instagram. Solid dude, solid products. And get yourself some fucking hot sauce while you're there. And then last but not least, we got Deadbeat Customs. The homie Steve, uh, the man who created the Deadbeat Retreat, where all Lola's go to die. Um, Steve carries a little bit of everything from diner shit to chopper shit and some of the best riding gear on the market. Make sure you get over to deadbeatcustoms.com and use lowlife at checkout. Perfect. And then we've got Faro Fabrication for all of your welding needs out in Londonderry, New Hampshire. Shop is open. Also, mobile operations still rocking and rolling. Got one more trip to make on Kenny's XS. Get that thing all buttoned up. If you got a project that's in need of repair or you need something fabricated, hit me up, ferrofabrication.com or ferrofabrication on Instagram. And then last but not least, we got the Unicorn Ranch. Conveniently located at the Unicorn Ranch. And we do everything vinyl from shirts, hats, koozies, cups, whatever the fuck you need, we can make it happen. Um, yeah, that's it. Hit us up, follow Unicorn Ranch on Instagram, and uh, yeah, that's it. We're done. We made it. What else we got? I think that's uh, I think that's all we got. So Rick, to close this one out here, do you have any final words for anybody that's looking to get into pinstriping, looking to do a better job of what we just did over here? Uh, what, what, what advice would you have for somebody looking to jump into it? Uh, just forward all of your questions to Greece. He can answer everything. <laughs> pretty much, bro. That's it. We got He's it all. pretty much there. Um, just go to YouTube, uh, The Wizards DVD, or message me. I'm open to questions, answers, all that. I'll help out anybody. And your Instagram handle one more time, too. So I'll put it in the show notes, but uh, just one more time. So they know. Just my name, Rick underscore Pierce. Or hashtag Stitcher's Garage. Love it. All right. So, to close this one out, I will say 10,000 lines takes a long-ass time. Or you could skip that shit and go straight to designs. <laughs> you came up with that quick. Thank you. I'm impressed. All right, lock tight. <laughs> what do you got for these people? Take them into their... Friday. I feel bad because now I know Stitch's wife is up here and I'm about to swear aggressively. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> She's got the door closed. <clears throat> Go for it. It's Friday, motherfuckers. Remember, seek out your local pinstriper and support because that shit will have you looking good like you're getting dressed for court. <laughs> <laughs>
Sinto o tom, o tom, o 